When we left off, Israel Keyes had been arrested by the FBI and the Texas Rangers. Today, we get into his interrogation, the murders he may or may not have committed, how he bailed himself out of this mess, and finally, in a change of pace, close out the series with his upbringing. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If last week's episode made you suspect that Israel Keys was the most insufferable piece of shit you've ever heard of, stick around. Tonight's episode is going to confirm it. This is Necronomapod. Today we saw the spot Keys hid the cash he would use over two years later to kill the couriers. This investigation, the longest investigation I've ever been involved with in 28 years. About a half mile down a path at the Woodside Natural Area is where Detective George Murdy says Israel Keys hid what was used to murder Bill and Lorraine Courier. Yes, this, this general area and uh, a lot of what guided us was this, uh, the Shard Bend and the Winooski River right here. The serial killer told authorities he buried a cache of items, including a handgun, in a box, calling it a murder kit. Federal investigators say Keyes initially stashed it in April 2009. He retrieved it over two years later before killing the couriers. So I'd like to start off with a retraction this evening. Apparently, Godsmack was never an Alice in Chains cover band which I don't know why I thought that. I guess it's a common misconception. Even the name Godsmack is not named after the Alice in Chains song. So I apologize. It's a common misconception. Uh, you saw this online? I think the misconception is that it's named after the Alice in Chains song. Maybe it's my own personal misconception that they were a <laughs> cover band. Apparently that's not the case. So my idea of a Godsmack cover band doing their version of Alice in Chains songs is not a great idea. <laughs> One could argue it wasn't great to begin with. <laughs> I thought it'd be fucking hilarious, personally. Well, what are you going to do? And some other good news in the Godsmack realm. Ian has turned us on to something called Hogfest, <laughs> which will take place in Milwaukee next year. Don't even want to know what it is. I'm in. <laughs> Godsmack Festival. Godsmack headlining this festival. You know who else? All right, is I'm out. <laughs> Asking Alexandria, also on the bill. Three Days Grace is on there, too. Three Days Grace. Was seeing this por- post just better than, like, porn for you? <laughs> you were just like, That shit is like, <laughs> we willed it into existence. That concert is way too specific. It's a Tulpa show. Yeah. <laughs> it's very specific. So here's to- my idea. In all fairness, I don't think we've shit that much on Three Days Grace yet. No. I don't think we've ever talked about it. Plenty that. of time. But just saying we haven't gotten there yet. Here's my idea. I would like the audience to collectively think about having five finger death punch added to that bill for hog fest. We can make it happen. <laughs> it will be a tulpa of our own doing a triple play of bad music at hog fest next year, Milwaukee. And Ian will buy personally a ticket to go. If we make it happen. Absolutely. He will be in the front row to see asking Alexandria God smack. And five finger death punch. I mean, that is the perfect lineup for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like the best show. <laughs> oh, I couldn't even imagine. Could you imagine being at that show? No. So is Hogfest oh, literally God. just a one off thing, or are they taking that on tour? Like an Ozfest type thing? It seems like it's just a Milwaukee thing. I don't know. It's it's like their radio station. It's like 1029 uh, the hog or whatever. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. 
I was going to pity Milwaukee for a little bit. Like who the fuck did they ever piss off? But it's th- their own doing. <laughs> <Hog fans. laughs> 2022. You know, those DJs are fucking loving it, right? Like that's, that's their, this is yeah. the orgasmic. D- for well, them. like the DJs show up. Hey, can you, my, can my daughter take a picture with you guys? It's <laughs> probably what they get. <laughs> They only can sing it. It's <laughs> the only way they can keep away from me. Has talking about Godsmack the last two weeks done more for their career than the last 10 years of their actual music? <laughs> I hope so. You know, I've never heard a five finger death punch song. I never heard one once. <laughs> You're lucky. You're really lucky. <laughs> Those radio shows. I mean, they put on some good, uh, good concerts sometimes. Like I saw, the band Fuel on the beach in Virginia Beach a couple of years ago, like put on by a local radio station. Like, it was really good. I would not have guessed you for a Fuel fan. I, I was a big Fuel fan way back when. Do, do that, does that still happen a lot, though? Like, I feel like radio stations in general just yeah, aren't like, really I think doing Those days that. are probably gone, right? Yeah. Like, I even remember in my day, like, you, you know, you're driving down downtown Cleveland to, like, go see Kiss, and it's, like, 98.5. We'd play, like, nothing but Kiss the whole way. Right, right. They didn't pretty it out, but they were, like, the sponsor of the show, and they'd get you all jazzed up for the concert. But do you even and, know anymore? Like, do you even listen to the, as Howard calls it, terrestrial radio? I wouldn't even know if they did, you know, play that. Because everyone has serious in think, their car. I, I think... Well, I think a lot of the stations move to like the, the talk, like the afternoon talk radio, yeah. right? like the drive time talk yeah, shows. I, don't know. I know some of them still play like rock, but I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They used to have a lot of local cool shows like that. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it seems like that's gone. Maybe that's what it is. Cause I mean, now you have like iHeartRadio Fest, right? Like they're the ones putting the big thing on in Vegas and they get what fucking every performer yeah, come right, out there. Like right. they have like their rock and roll night, their hip hop night. And then like their, you know, Taylor Swift night or whatever, you know, pop or whatever yeah. they consider it. Yeah. Good point. I remember being in one of those shows in the 90s, <coughs> excuse me, the nineties where green day was headlining. And I don't know if people jumped over the fence, they were starting a riot, something, but like the Cleveland riot police came out with tear gas and were pushing the crowd out. And Jesus. it was wild. Good times in the CLE. I don't love green day. No, it's a hot take. I usually get shit for, I like their first few albums. Their older albums. I liked. I it's guess. Just- into it okay i don't know i could take it or leave it i like their old stuff i don't i couldn't tell you anything past like their nimrod album yeah like like dookie and nimrod were good but yeah like dookie when i was growing up like everybody had the dookie cd like that was just like you just like can go you're going through someone's like cds like you just always see dookie Mm -hmm. and that and it's like a lot of people have back in black but that's one of the greatest selling albums of all time i got back in black for my eighth birthday yeah yep i think we've talked about this before fucking a man Oh, headbanging. So day one. So Ian does not want us to uh, talpa Green Bay into uh, the Asking Alexandria Godsmack Five Finger Death Punch show. Mm. I would definitely take Green Day over any of those bands. That's what I you're not crazy. (laughs) Is it too far fetched to hope that three days grace and three doors down go on tour together? (laughs) Maybe with an opener 303 Mm. for three D's. All of it. All I want all of it. And they only do three shows. That's all the tour is. Three songs each. <laughs> they call it the Tri City Tour. <laughs> I would how do you not go to that show, right? You have to. You have to drive to one of those three cities. Of course you would. Oh, that'd be so great. But then you'd probably get like three days grace and three doors down fighting over who headlines. 
right? Because they're, they're like that same. You swap every night. Oh, there you go. Well, someone's going to get it twice, though, in a three-show uh, tour. Well, that's true. Coin, coin flip. Yeah. It's a mashup the last night. They just play <laughs> songs together back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> I think we just booked the greatest tour of all time. <laughs> cool Down Media, now in the uh, tour promotion business. All right, so we got a lot to get to tonight. This is uh, maybe one of our longer notes that we've had since like Jonestown or John Bonet. Yeah, probably John Bonet. All right. Fuck yeah, let's do it. Where we left off, the FBI working with the Texas Rangers arrested Israel Keys after tracking him as he used Samantha Koning's debit card in Anchorage, Arizona, New Mexico, then in Texas while he was making a clear path east. Keys had kidnapped, raped, and murdered Samantha long before he got arrested, but law enforcement wasn't sure if she was alive or not. Keys sent a ransom note with a photo co- with photocopied Polaroids of Samantha with an Anchorage newspaper dated February 13th, 2012 at the top. Keys had sewed her eyes open and then shut and posed her multiple ways. Before questioning Keyes, police were pretty surprised to find that he didn't have a criminal record and no history of any mental health issues. While the Rangers had Keyes in custody, police and FBI in Anchorage brought Keyes' longtime girlfriend in for questioning. The women in Keyes' life, to my knowledge, have all been able to stay anonymous, as well as his daughter. So we're going to be using the aliases that they've used in books and TV shows and stuff. So even if you wanted to name them, you couldn't. I don't think so. Okay. Not that we would. I'm yeah, just curious. I really don't think. I definitely his daughter, which is, you know, it's fair. Good for her. Yeah. You know, I just it's hard to stay incognito like that. I guess in this day and age. Yeah, that's why I. You would think someone would have yeah. outed her or whatever, but law enforcement brought in his girlfriend Kimberly. And they were under the impression that Kimberly would have some knowledge in regard to what Keys was up to. Even something as small as changes in behavior, but there was nothing. Kimberly said that there was no way that Keys could have kidnapped Samantha. She said he was doing some stuff out in their shed, but he came into the house multiple times throughout the night and then woke up his daughter at 5 a.m. for a cab to drive them to the airport at 5.30 a.m. This was all accurate and it did happen and Kimberly had to stay behind for work. So she flew out to New Orleans a couple days later to meet Keys and his daughter for a cruise. Wild to have been on that cruise. Like I wonder how many people on that cruise later, you know, matched it up and like, hey, had dinner next to that guy. See him in the background of a photo. Yeah, right. Like, fuck. Probably taking a, a photo on the island with your, you know, umbrella drink and Israel Keys in the background. <laughs> photo bombing you. But a ruin a vacation. Yeah, here's our vacation picks. There's Israel Keys behind us. <laughs> we talked about it on part one briefly, but Keys made sure he set the tone early for how he and Kimberly's relationship would work. He had his time and it was his. No one was to ask questions about it, what he was up to. He wanted complete privacy. It would never work for me, but I can see that if you're willing to live that way, it would never cross your mind that your partner would be out there in a shed having sex with the dead body of an 18 year old girl. Probably not. You know what I mean? Like she would have never thought that, but she wasn't like uh, Estelle Costanza. Frank, what are you doing out there? <laughs> I'm fucking 18 year old corpse. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I guess not. Like if it's just like his little workplace, I guess. And he's probably just, like, glad for the free time, right? Like she doesn't want to be bothered, right? Yeah, let him go tinker with his toys or whatever he's doing in there. Yeah. I did see a picture of it and the shed is much closer to the house than I expected. I think like, like you frame it in your mind, like it's, you know, way in the backyard somewhere. Like he's hidden away. It's no, like no, right it's on in the, the fucking driveway. We're like <laughs> 10 feet from the house. That's why he turned up Godsmack yeah, and all his right. music to, to drown out any sound. If she, uh, if she screamed, nothing and, to see here. Just a guy listening to some Godsmack having the time of his life <laughs> at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> That alone is cause for suspicion, yeah. right? I mean, I'd be pissed. <laughs> Put on some fucking green day, would you? <laughs> Keys refused to speak while in Texas, but they were able to charge him with using a debit card that wasn't his. Then the fact that the debit card he was using was Samantha Konings gave law enforcement the go ahead to extradite him back to Alaska. This took two weeks to accomplish, but while the paperwork was being filed, the FBI started working out a strategy for interrogating Keys. Two big things. One, the interrogation would take place in the FBI Anchorage office because it was equipped to have audio and video recordings made. The second thing, based on the behavioral science unit, they gave the advice that Keys should never feel like he was in control of the situation. They wanted him to feel small and intimidated. Agent Steve Payne and other agents felt good about the upcoming interrogation until federal prosecutor for Alaska, Kevin Feldis, was pretty much like, hold my beer. I'm going to just fuck this whole case up. Stupid Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like the what we talked about last week. Everybody has to prove whose dick's bigger. Kevin Feld has decided that even though a prosecutor should never be in the interrogation room, the interrogation of Israel Keys was going to take place at the Anchorage U.S. Attorney's Office, where it was not wired for audio or video. And on top of that, Feldis was going to be the one taking the lead in questioning Keys. It's like a shitty camera with bad audio up in the corner, right? Yeah. It wasn't great. No. You can hardly hear what they're saying. It's the fucking same as the Elisa Lamb uh, elevator video. <laughs> yeah. like, What's the same angle, here? exactly. It's all Why awful. are we losing 45 seconds every two minutes? <laughs> yeah, I don't get that move. It, it's a huge fucking conflict of interest. And this is nothing but this guy just wants the attention, like the glory out of this. And he should not have been questioning keys, let alone be in the same room. The FBI can tell, and even police, they can tell you white lies to trip you up. Um, prosecutors can't the FBI can offer deals to suspects in return for confession, you know, like the classic, Hey, we can talk to the prosecutor, you know, see what we can do if you confess. But with the prosecutor in the room, all that's off the table. There's no leverage at that point. Mm -hmm. Also a reminder why you never talk to police without your attorney present. That's true. Also, what the hell is this? Kevin, uh, Fell this guy like ever actually prosecuted up in Alaska, like fucking seals for running around the streets. <laughs> like, where were you on that night? <laughs> You're out of order. Maybe that's why he wanted the glory with this because yeah, of the right. press. Yeah. He's like, finally a human being. Yep. No more seals. Well, I mean, this was a huge case for weeks and months up there. So maybe he's like, you know, obviously those are political positions. Oh, I'm stealing the glory. Yeah. Of course. But it's like, man, it's, it's just not your job. So. Yeah. Just get the fuck out of here. Everyone plays their part, Kev. Governor Kevin Feldes. That's what he had. That's uh, exactly right. <laughs> Maybe he wanted he to be never, the mayor of Wasillus. 
You never have to deal with those pesky seals again. <laughs> have you ever seen like baby seal clubbing videos? No. no, no, no. <laughs> no. It's so awful. I was initially going to say something about that. And I was like, no, that's in poor taste. I'm not going to bring <laughs> seal clubbing. It's not good. Yeah, I don't want to see that. watch that shit. No. We talked a lot about uh, incompetence from the Anchorage Police Department on part one. But Officer Jeff Bell was going to be interrogating keys with agent Payne and officer bell could have worked for the FBI. This guy was a super cop and putting keys in a small windowless room with agent Payne and officer bell would have made him feel nervous and weak. And he would not have control in that situation. Like they wanted to jam him in like a little fucking closet type room and just grill him on this because the FBI behavioral sciences group knows what they're talking about. And they've been studying it for 40 years and maybe you should listen to them. Sir, you an apology to Kevin Feldes. <laughs> and that, now that was all out the window. Like, yeah, right. He's going to be sitting at a fucking conference table pretty much with people all around him. And he's going to feel like a God at that point, all the attentions on him. If you watch those videos, the interrogation videos, they're very odd, like just the jovial and joking manner that everyone's uh, sitting around. It's really disturbing, honestly. He, He's such a fucking clown, this guy. He, he laughs at his own jokes. He right. makes these terrible jokes. and So he's not quite the, the charisma of an Ed Kemper? No. Who, like, commands the room and, like, tells these stories, like, theatrical and... Like, no, with, you know, trying to entertain you. He's just Israel keys is like a really shitty bootleg version of Hannibal Lecter, or at least that's what he thinks himself to be is like a Hannibal Lecter type. The Aldi version of Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, you could say that. Or is that an insult to Aldi to even compare him? <laughs> yeah, he just sits there and you know, like he's being real uh, cryptic all the time about mm. everything. And thinks he's so clever. Yeah. Smarter than everybody in the room. That's a fair assessment. Nobody is smarter than Kevin Feldes. <laughs> Kevin Feldes would have been blowing Ed Kemper if he was trying to interview him. <laughs> he was so charismatic. Probably because he would have realized that, you know, Ed Kemper's his best hope to make himself famous. So <laughs> jump on board, pal. The Did you think that, that he would be the real heel of the show when we got started? Who? Kevin Feldes, that we we're going to take that turn on you? <laughs> no. Because well, here we are, pal. Sucking Ed Kemper's dick. <laughs> Reading the book, um, American Predator, like the Kevin Feldes stuff was so irritating. It's just mm. about as irritating as the way Israel Keys talks. Mm. It's like, why won't you just stop, man? The FBI, like all of it, we're like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? What's he doing now? Like what happened to him? Did he uh, pole vault himself into any sort of prominence? From what I saw, he's still in office or was for, you know. Right. He didn't transfer to Ohio or anything before we keep unloading on him, right? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Why would that matter, Dave? We're a global brand now. <laughs> I think they get podcasts in Alaska. Reading the transcript for when Kevin Feldes asks his first question, the way he talks, it's done right off the bat. He's stuttery, says uh, uh, a bunch of times, and it's like Israel Keys just knows right off the bat. He sense it, sure. He's like, I'm gonna just going to manipulate this guy. And That's awful. I, I control the room now. Keys wanted to talk, but it was going to be on his terms, which Kevin Feldes already made sure that that's how this was going to go. Keys would decide what information he would give them and how much. Keys also had some demands. He wanted cigars, peanut butter Snickers, and Americanos. 
He wanted everything to stay out of the press. He didn't want this to hang over his daughter's head the rest of her life. He wanted her to grow up normal. You know who else wanted that? Samantha Koenig's dad, fuckface. And it's like, if you wanted your daughter to grow up normal, yeah. how about not kill people? Yeah, maybe. In the shed, you know, 10 feet from her start. bedroom. Right. Get fucked. And, and I don't think there's any feeling behind that at all. I think that's just another just thing he thinks that it's part of the story. You think it's made up? It, yeah. It's a bargaining tool kind of yeah. toying with people. Yeah. Like how he got, like how he got Samantha a a glass of water and he got himself a glass of wine and sat there and drank Mm. it. He was an alcoholic. He drank liquor and beer. You never heard anything about him drinking wine. I don't think that was actually like, oh, I'm going to enjoy this glass of wine. It's like, this Mm. is, this is what a Hannibal Lecter would do is sit here and drink wine. He's a pretender. I don't think this guy had any Mm. real feeling behind anything that he did in his life. Okay. Gives us fucking alcoholics a bad name too. Don't even get me started on that. Yeah. Piece of shit. <laughs> Wine drunk Mike's for real. <laughs> He's no joke. We'd like to see him more often in the studio. <laughs> Wine drunk Mike's been here quite a few times. You guys just don't, I mean, it's not always publicized. <laughs> K fade that shit. Sometimes. Keys wanted to speak directly to officer Monique Dahl. Officer Dahl was one of the incompetent ones that Agent Payne didn't love. He wanted to get her off the case, but Keyes didn't know that. It seemed like he wanted to shock a woman police officer or FBI agent, something along those lines. And then his last demand was that he wanted the death penalty as fast as possible, like within a year, not taking into account the fact that Alaska doesn't have the death penalty. That's just poor planning. Yeah. That's where you should move, Mike. You're all for that. It's got to fight the seal clubbing then, though. That'd be the, <laughs> be the next mission. <laughs> Before Key started talking, he laid these things out pretty black and white that this was what he wanted, and especially no one talking to Kimberly or his daughter. Key said, quote, I don't want to hear about you questioning her, Kimberly, again. You know, like I say, obviously you have no reason to trust me. But I can tell you right now, there is no one who knows me or has ever known me who knows anything about me, really. I'm two different people, basically. And the only person who knows about what I'm telling you, the kind of things I'm telling you, is me. I've been two different people for a long time, 14 years. Not long after Keyes took the ransom pictures of Samantha, he started the process of disposing her body. Keys dismembered her body, separating her by her arms, legs, head, and torso. Then over the course of three days, he sunk her remains in Matanuska Lake. On the first day, he took the sled that we talked about him buying on part one, and he dragged a chainsaw, weights, a snow shovel, a big piece of plywood, and the materials needed for an ice shack out to the middle of the lake. There, Keys cut a hole in the ice like he was going to go fishing. This was a really long process because his chainsaw kept dying. So once the hole was cut, he quit for the day. Every time he went out to the lake, he's turned off his cell phone and took out the battery. On day two, he took some of Samantha's remains out to the lake, wrapped them in chicken wire, weighed them down, and dropped them into the hole. He said he didn't take all of her remains on the second day because it would have been too hard. After he was done on the second day, he went home, got cleaned up, and went to a parent-teacher conference. 
where he was proud that his daughter was doing so well in school. On the third day, Key sunk Samantha's torso, and he sat there for a couple hours fishing. Then that evening, he went home and cooked the fish that he caught for dinner and served it to Kimberly and his daughter. Then on April 2nd, 2012, the remains of Samantha Coning were found in Manitouska Lake, exactly where Keith said that they would be. I don't know why that fish story just seems so disturbing. I think it's all just to give himself kicks, you know? I think he just got a rush out of that this is what, you know, these fish were caught in this hole and now I'm feeding them to my you know family. Like you just picture the remains going down and the fish probably feeding on them and then you bring up the fish and feed it to your family. It's just so over the top strange. So having, having not seen any of his, his interviews and, and his testimony and, and his questioning, but based on like what you've said, it absolutely just seems like he's going for like that shock value, you know, just like even throwing that in there. You know, like, oh, and then I fed him that fish that night. Yeah. But even yet, if it didn't but yet happen. you want to leave your daughter out and, you know, right. not ruin her life in any way. Yet you're going to say shit like that. Mm. I've never been ice fishing. It always looked pretty fun. I would probably I would probably do I that. I like to do that. Like, I, obviously, I need my fish baited for me. I'm not going to touch a worm. I will fish. I will take them off the hooks. I would do ice fishing, too. Of course. So, yeah, I then I'm in. Can't do that around here, right? I don't believe so. Feel like up to Minnesota or something? Somewhere up north. We're back on Outdoors Talk with Mikey and Dave. (laughs) Today we're debating the best places to go ice fishing. I think we should go up to uh, Saskatoon. Where's that at? Canada. Canada? Yeah. Well, someone who who does ice fishing, invite us. We want to go ice fishing. It's in the province of Saskatchewan. Okay. We'll go up there. You want to go to Moose Jaw? We'll go to Moose Jaw. Saskatchewan. That's got to be good, right? With a name like Moose Jaw, it has to be good ice fishing, right? I believe Moose Jaw is in Saskatchewan or it's Manitoba. One of those two. Mm. Either way. I've ever watched that uh, ice truck driver show where they drive some. I have seen shit. some of that. That stuff's wild. That gives me anxiety. Yeah. Have you seen that? The ice road truckers show. I, I saw that years ago. Yeah. It's up I mean, in the way north now of Alaska. I'm pretty sure right? it's all staged because all that reality shit is. Yeah. But I don't like, believe any of it. Watching them, like even even if it's fiction, like just it gives my, me anxiety. Like the shit they have to take those those rigs through. Because you know that, that that people do actually do that. Where do they go up to Nome? Is that the end destination? Drop stuff off at Nome? I literally just tune in for thirty seconds. I get anxiety, <laughs> yeah. and then I'm yeah. like, "All right, there's got to be like a rerun of Seinfeld or the Office on or something." I don't, I don't stick around to to learn the characters. Yeah, like I watch this a little bit. I'm like, "Oh fuck, that's crazy." Yeah, they're like spinning out everywhere, and then I just turn the channel. Ian's like, "Oh shit, he crazy." He turns it off. Puts on you know MTV Cribs. Looks like, like Kanye's house for the 900th time. <laughs> like, I'd love to go up. To, what's that that town way up north, Barrow, where you get 30 days a night? Where that movie, 30 days a night? Oh, yeah. Like, a, up at the top of the world. There. You would like that, though? I think it'd be interesting. Or just to see it. Just to see if yeah. I, like, I, I mapped out flights there one time, and it, it was a lot. Let's do like, it. you got to take a lot of puddle jumpers to get to Barrow. <laughs> imagine so. Yeah, it was crazy. Let's do it. Let's go ice fishing. Get a cabin. I would love to do that. We'll get a I'm we'll done. get a couple cases of Molson. Drink some Crown Royal. We'll go when it's whatever thirty days a night are, because then you don't have to sleep because there's no sun, like there's no day, so we just stay up all night and drink for thirty days, right? Well, I'll, I'll probably sleep a little <laughs> bit after all that drinking. <laughs> It'd be so cold. Have you ever seen that thirty days a night? I've heard of it. I've not seen it. It's really good. Yeah, it's good. The graphic novel's really good too. Mm. That's good. Uh, we'll be back on outdoors talk later on. <laughs> stay with us. By April 5th, 2012, Keyes wanted to fire his lawyer to represent himself in court, but the judge had blocked him. 
this whole time Keyes had been alluding to there being more victims than Samantha. So the FBI came up with an idea. If Keyes told them about the other murders outside of Alaska, he would have the chance to defend himself and the judge in Alaska wouldn't be able to stop him. The thing was, in this arrangement, Keyes could not speak about Samantha Koenig in these interrogations. If he brought up Samantha, the FBI were required to bring in Keyes' defense attorney, which he did not want. I was very confused in the beginning of the um, the inter- some of the interrogations. Right. They are like, just so we're clear, if you talk about Samantha Koenig, we're going to stop everything and we're done. Like, they made sure... They kept saying that over and over again to him. That's an interesting dynamic going on there. At that point, they just really wanted information from him. They knew damn well that there were, he wasn't joking. Look, I mean, sometimes you got to play his games, I guess what he, you know, he holds the cards. You want to close those cases for those families. And what what are you going to do? And Kevin Feldes already gave him all the power that he wanted. He put the ball, you know, directly in. Right. Israel Keys Court. It's not great all around. Even with this offer, Keys was still playing games and talking cryptically. Eventually, Agent Payne told Keys straight up, like, "Look, I have bosses who are going to want results. If they don't get the results, they're going to take your flight records, match them with every missing person in the area, and start asking the public for help." At that point, Agent Payne would have no way to control the media and keep Keyes' daughter shielded from publicity. And Israel Keyes, you know, realized that Agent Payne wasn't trying to scare him. And Keyes was smart enough to know that that scenario was very possible. So he started confessing more. Call me a hypocrite on this. That's fine. But like, this is one person I'd like to see some CIA black site interrogation taking place on. <laughs> I can't stand this fucking guy. But they found the thing that's going to get them to talk, right? Like, just play that daughter card, yeah. But whether I, they mean it or not, right? But I just feel like even after you go through all of it, I don't know if he's a hundred percent truthful. And like, this is just one guy. I would have what if I seen could, his ass beat? And what tortured. if I could take away a club from a seal and give it to you <laughs> to use on keys? <laughs> I think I'd be all right with that. You accept that offer? Yes. Save a baby seal. Whoop on Israel keys. I have no problem with that scenario. Okay. I either said it on part one or just in my day-to-day life because I've just been nothing but Israel Keys for the past couple of weeks. Mm. I don't know how the FBI, the police, anybody sat there and listened to him talk about this stuff and talk so cryptically and laugh. I mean, not to you know disregard my whole moral system and the statements I've made about always having your attorney and... And defendant rights being violated, but uh, goddamn, I want this guy's ass fucking beat. I cannot fucking stand him. What a piece of shit. You're getting on a level of uh, that I was on with fucking uh, that Nexium Jagoff. Oh, Keith. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to beat the shit out of someone. Yeah. And because I I have never had that feeling about a baby seal, but a human (laughs) being, I have. Just saying. Baby seals are so lovable, right? How could you club one? I'm not even an animal lover. There's some of the cutest animals. You hate animals and you would never club a seal. I do not hate animals. <laughs> I hate humans that act like animals. <laughs> yeah. You club a kitty cat before a seal, right? Depends on the situation. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I've pounded some pussy, but I'm not going around clubbing kittens. Okay. But gun to your head, if I made you club a <laughs> seal or a cat, you club the cat, right? 
I can't it, even believe yes. you're faking thinking about this. Yes, in a word, yes, of course. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. I'm just trying to think why I'd be in a situation where you have a gun to my head and you're telling me to beat an animal. <laughs> and that's more what I, my head was going. I was like, so what situation could I have been in? Never know. Where Maybe Dave, I did some DMT and I just <laughs> haven't had it. And you took my buckshot that I used to kill that that's five, right. or tried to kill that five point buck with. That's right. I don't know. Are there other guns out there? There's buckshot, right? That's it. It's and the muskets, only gun in the world. Muskets, muskets and buckshots. And a pistol. If you're a fancy boy. Sure. There's some pistols out there. Saying, we got this. <laughs> I know all about guns. <laughs> so it seems like uh, seals can be used for just everything. Like a lot of different Multi-purpose things. Multi-purpose animal. Yeah, their fur, their skin, their fat. Um, I hate this conversation. I hate that we're having this. I, uh, I don't this like there is enough, there is enough tragedy in this story alone that now Ian's like, oh, shrimp soup, shrimp salad, shrimp coats. Well, I guess that's about all you could do with seals. Should I put the videos up on the TV? No, it's fucking awful. <laughs> Some very odd conversations going on in this episode. Yeah, I'm not sure where this came from. I believe you were the first one to mention the beating of baby seals, right? I mentioned seals, but I could have been talking about Kiss by a Rose. It's not bad. Batman Forever. On June 2nd, 2011, Israel Keys flew from Anchorage to Seattle, then to Chicago where he rented a car and started driving to his brother's house in Maine. He stopped in Indiana for a couple days, then went to an old farmhouse that he owned in New York. There's no proof that he actually went to New York. Uh, that detail is taking Keyes' word for it. There is proof of him being in Indiana on June 3rd, 2011, when he said he was, based on toll road surveillance. Then the next time he shows up with, a ver- with verified information is on June 7th, 2011 with a hotel reservation at handy suites in essex vermont handy suites hotel or motel so you know i was actually thinking about this as i was reading the sentence uh spoiler alert i mean i didn't read a lick of these notes before we came into this episode so I'm learning <laughs> oh we know. can't tell at all uh suites is the wildest term to use because it could literally mean anything right like that might be one of those you walk into your room off the parking lot, or it might be an actual good five star hotel. Sure, I think suites get thrown around way too much. Uh, it's a problem, and a vote for Mike Namapod is a vote to change that issue. You want to bar <laughs> the use of the word suites in certain. I'm going to crack down okay. on what is being used as suites. Just saying, because what does that actually mean when you think of a hotel suite? You're thinking of multiple rooms. You're thinking of, you know, a nice big bedroom that you can close a door in. You have a sitting area, maybe. I need a sitting area if I see suites. Like, there should be yep. an area for me to watch television and do some work outside of the sleeping area. Yes. Two TVs. A bedroom TV Two and TVs. a living room TV. 100%. Yeah. Like an embassy suites type. I would accept that as a suite. I'm with you on this. I, I'm interested to know what they have. Ian's like, hey, fuckos, I wrote an out. <laughs> no. talk about that for a minute. Handy suites sounds weird. Like, do you get handies in the suite? Uh, a, handy know, would, about- <laughs> a handy would make it pretty sweet, right? Something about that name just sounds like it would not be great. Like, that's yeah. a walk from the parking lot to your room. Place, right. So. I, I think so. Yeah. Like, that would be added value, though, if you got a handy with every suite. It wouldn't hurt. Would there also be, would it have a bed with, like, you know, the little 25-cent vibration thing? It in spins it? around and vibrates. 
honeymoon bed in the heart shape. (laughs) On June 7th, 2011, Keyes traveled to an unknown location in Vermont where he left one of his kill kits. Keyes hid these kill kits all over the U.S. so he could strike whenever he felt like it. For example, Keyes left the kit in Vermont years earlier with no victim in mind. The kit in Vermont specifically was an orange five-gallon Home Depot bucket filled with zip ties, ammo, guns, silencers, duct tape, and liquid Drano to help speed up decomposition. And he wasn't fucking around about these kill kits because the FBI was able to find uh, two spread out across the country. Then I'm sure there's more. Like just out in the woods somewhere? Mm Mm-hmm. He would just bury them and it's fucking nuts. Whenever he wanted, he would just show up. Did you know that Mike used to bury fuck kits like <laughs> various sorority houses? It was like it was ro- roofies, condoms, and lube. Close uh, again, never roofies. I'm not going on that one. That's dangerous road to go down. Hey, have you seen my fuck kit? I left it laying around and uh has condoms, lubes, and a little air, two airplane bottles of vodka. That was all. I don't oh, where's my fuck kit? Well, and, and a toothbrush, right? You gotta be fresh the next month. Oh yeah, of course. And with these kill kits too, he he planned this out so that they would be there for years. Like he greased the guns, took them all apart, greased them very well so they wouldn't jam if he came back in two or three years for one. It's really amazing. It's just the forethought that you put in in something like that. Sick. It seems it like sick. the the pro he's the process of everything. I think just him knowing that he can that he has that out there. It know. reinforces how slick he thinks he is. Yeah, just knowing that it's sitting out there. He's like just. I picture him just sitting at home nodding, think nodding to himself, thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm fucking smarter than all you guys. Is he? We've talked about kill kits type before haven't other guys done that before or something similar i mean ted bundy had was arrested with he had like a i guess you could call a kill kit it had all his stuff in it that he would use in israel keys he idolized ted bundy yeah ted bundy was like his hero it sounds about right around 8 p.m that night keys started walking around essex even though it was pouring down rain and he made sure to turn off his phone and take out his battery. He thought he found his victim saying, quote, I went across the road from the hotel and had an apartment complex there staked out and I was waiting for someone to come in alone. I was actually looking for a guy and it was pouring rain, big lightning storm. And there was a guy who came in. He had a yellow Vita bug, a newer one. So I walked out of this little wooded area and I was walking up behind his car. I'm walking along the line of cars towards his car and he kind of jumped out and he had like a newspaper over his head and he ran into the apartment to keep from getting wet. And he almost, he almost got it that night. If he had been about five seconds slower getting out of his car and going into his apartment, he would have been the one that night. I wonder if that guy knows, like if he ever read this, like, Hey, that was me. I would scare the shit out of me. He probably didn't even see a guy behind him, though. So no, I mean, like, like later. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, oh, I came home that night in Essex and ran into my fucking apartment. Yeah, with a yellow. <laughs> yeah, it's a really specific car. Yeah, very yeah. specific. So when that didn't work out, I wasn't worried about it. I was just walking around, and I think I went back to the hotel for a little while to wait till after midnight. And there was nobody out that night because it was so raining off and on. I decided I was going to look for a house with a couple in it. 
So now it's June 8th, and at about 12.15 a.m., Keyes started walking around Essex again, looking for a house owned by a couple. He wanted a single couple that lived alone. He only had two rules, no kids and no dogs. Um, He talked about not hurting kids like this was something that he should be praised for by uh, law enforcement. And dogs made too much noise, and bigger dogs caused issues. Keys ended up finding a small ranch-style house and started walking around the property. From the looks of things, it was an older couple, which he was correct. The house belonged to Bill Courier, age 50, and Lorraine Courier, age 55. Keys cut the phone line and waited in the backyard, silently smoking a cigar. He was dressed in all black. He had a ski mask on and a headlamp. The courier's neighbor was a guy that would stay up all night, and he was a smoker. This guy took his dog out every time he smoked a cigarette, and Keyes wanted to be certain that all of the neighbors were sleeping before he did anything. I don't know why the cigar part bothers me, but just picturing this fucking asshole out there smoking a cigar. Again, I don't think he probably even liked cigars. I think it's all part of this evil persona he has built. I know how I feel as the alcoholic. Like it offends you as a cigar smoker. <laughs> Don't fucking take my cool shtick and then ruin it with your stupidity, asshole. See? And fuck you, Kevin Feldus. <laughs> fuck off. Fired up Mike. I like it. That's it. Huh? I'm all right. I was just, I was backing you up. I yeah. get where you're coming from. Yeah, I like a good cigar now and then. I just picture this asshole at the edge of the woods there smoking a cigar. Just because like, you think it like makes him look the cool. The first time he ever bar. had one, and the first time he had a glass of wine, he's like choking on the cigar. Yeah, right. <laughs> the wine is like, ooh, this is oh. gross. People drink this? Like, yeah, motherfucker, we don't drink Franzia from a fucking box, dipshit. Like, just being granted the ability to whoop that guy's ass would be so sad. <laughs> See, now I got fired up Dave. There's something about him. I don't know. We've talked about there, Absolutely. I and mean, we'll talk about it at the end. I think there's people we've talked about that are way worse than Israel Keys, the stuff that they've done, but... There's something about him. The smugness. Yeah. Like you just want to cave his fucking head in with your <laughs> fists. <laughs> like for sure. Yeah. You can't explain it, but yeah. I get it, man. At 2 a.m., that neighbor smoked his last cigarette. He's waited for a while to make sure that he didn't come back out. And then he decided that it was time to strike. He grabbed a patio chair and took it to the side of the house where he removed the ventilation fan from the side of the garage and slipped through the hole. He unlocked the back door leading that was leading to the backyard so he would have an easy way to escape if needed and then moved to the storm door leading to the house. Keys grabbed a crowbar that was hanging with some other tools and the storm door was a little different than most houses, um, at least houses that I've been in. It's a single door from the garage to the house. Um, This one had a screen door and then a regular door that had a deadbolt uh, and it had four window panes. Keys popped the screen door lock and then debated on what to do with the deadbolt. He decided that it would take too long to break it with the crowbar. So he broke one of the window panes and unlocked the door. And the next part of this attack is incredibly fast. Keys said it was six seconds, but realistically it was more like 30 seconds. Either way, he bolted straight down the hallway into the courier's room and had them zip tied in at gunpoint before they even really woke up and knew what was going on. 
Like, wouldn't it be great if the story ended with uh, the courier had a sawed-off shotgun under his mattress and cut keys in half as he came through the door? <laughs> that'd be one way for the story to go. Yeah, that'd be much more satisfying conclusion here. This is the angriest Dave we've had in a while. We've been—he hasn't been this riled up since uh, Ariel Castro. Oh, that fucking guy. <laughs> And Dave's favorite, the, uh, who was the fucking chick on that show that like, uh, saw the future or whatever the shit her gimmick was. Sylvia Brown. Her. Check our phones. Garbage. <laughs> Human excrement. <laughs> Despicable. All right. How about this? Six man tag match. The three of us blocked. <laughs> In a hell in a cell <laughs> against Israel Keys, <laughs> Keith Ranieri, and Philip Class. Who wins? I mean, I would say we would win. I think we'd destroy them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Uh, also, knee pads not allowed. It's the hell in a cell. You yeah. can't wear knee pads. I'd fucking yeah. Mick Foley his ass <laughs> right off the top of that That's thing. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Philip Class would be going through the cage. Yeah. Well, you'd fucking, you big boss man. That's from WrestleMania 15 unknown when Undertaker hung the big boss man <laughs> inside the cell. Pro <laughs> <laughs> wrestling is ridiculous. Anyways. And then Dave would just be clubbing uh, Israel Keys. Oh, I split his skull up in the ring. <laughs> Dave's finishing move with the skull splitter, obviously. The literal skull splitter. <laughs> Where I split your skull in half. That's right. <laughs> Referee stoppage. <laughs> Law enforcement stoppage. <laughs> All right. Well, coming to a pay-per-view scene. Keys had the couriers on the bed and on their stomachs when he started asking them all kinds of questions about valuables in the house and things like that. He got their debit card and scratched their PIN number into the back of the card to use it later. Again, for a guy that's so smart, he doesn't really grasp electronic banking. No post-it notes available. <laughs> Stick on there. So fucking stupid. <laughs> and, and you know, when he's asking all these questions and he's rummaging through stuff, we're going to talk about later. Israel Keys was in the military. Bill Courier was in the same, I don't know if it, what you would call it, like a unit, something along those lines, you know, whatever the word for like branch of service or an actual like like a platoon not a platoon not really a, okay but they were in the same type of thing okay and israel keys pointed that out to bill and he said in his interrogation he did that to let bill get false hope that maybe he could talk him down like he did that on purpose wow. that's some dark stuff there like samantha koenig would do the following year lorraine courier started to fight back and rolled herself off the bed. Keys grabbed her by the neck and smashed her face into the floor and then put her back on the bed. He told her that if either of them tried something like that again, he would kill them. Again, like he would do with Samantha, Keys told the couriers that he was holding them for ransom and that everything would be all right if they complied. Keys then walked the couriers out to their car, putting Lorraine in the passenger seat and Bill in the back seat. Then he put the ventilation fan back in the garage window and put the crowbar back with the other tools so nothing was left out of place. Keys drove the couriers to an abandoned house that he had staked out earlier when he was retrieving his kill kit. 
this place was an abandoned farmhouse that had a huge hole in the roof that went straight through the second floor into the first floor and then into the basement. The way it was described in the book that I was reading was like a meteor just hit this house and went straight through. Hmm. There was some furniture left behind and a couple chairs in the basement. Like there were some mattresses and hmm. you know, random shit. He was a piece of shit, but uh, he was a good operational planner, I guess. Yeah. Like things were thought out. Logistics is everything. And he had this down, I think. It's when you start getting um, attention hungry. BTK started getting yeah. attention hungry because yeah. people kind of forgot about him. So he had to pop back up. Keys himself said that he found started finding himself searching on Google for crimes that he had committed to see. And then yeah, he would start yeah. commenting on them and stuff. Like, Jesus. Like, I mean, we've said it before. It's not hard to kill random people. Especially when there's no motive like this. Yeah. If you kill random people that you cannot be linked to by motive. I mean, now you can get away with harder than it's ever been just because everyone's got, you know, one of those ring cameras on their front door. It is. But with a little bit of effort, you know, it's easy to get away with. But then this guy started, you know, like a one and done. Sure. A one and done. But he starts killing in his hometown. I mean, that's a different story. But things like this, especially when there's no victimology here, they're Bill and Lorraine courier in their 50s samantha conan 18 year old girl right no pattern random killings keys took bill out of the car first and led him to the basement and tied him to one of the chairs when he got back outside he saw lorraine outside the car running towards the main road lorraine was 55 and had her hands tied behind her back keys was 34 and in shape so he easily caught up with her he dragged lorraine inside the house and up to the second floor to a bedroom that had an old bed in it. It was also the room that had a huge hole going through it. Like half the room was gone. Keys tied Lorraine to the bed using duct tape and then tied her neck down to the mattress using a rope. And this whole time, Bill was down in the basement screaming and it was starting to irritate Keys. So he started walking down to the basement. By the time he got down there, Bill had gotten himself halfway free. They started fighting and Keys had to hit Bill two times with a shovel to get him to go down. Keys ran upstairs to get his gun and then ran back down to the basement. And like we're talking like a fucking metal shovel, like what you would dig a hole with, not like a snow shovel or something. Sure. Like a very heavy and really took Bill down. The idea that you're tied to a chair while your wife's upstairs screaming is just off the charts terrifying. Yeah. And you can't do anything about it. When he ran down there again, Bill was back up and ready to fight. And Keyes himself said that this really pissed him off, that Bill wasn't doing what he was supposed to do, which that really fucking irritated me. And the confession was, Bill's not doing what he's supposed to. He's just supposed to fucking die. Yeah, just lay there and submit and let you kill him. (sighs) So he just unloaded his gun into Bill. Afterwards, Keyes made sure Lorraine was still tied tight and then went outside to smoke a cigar. He said he needed to sit outside smoke and collect his composure after almost losing control of the situation after he was done keys went back inside gagged lorraine with napkins and raped her twice the second time he raped her keys said that he choked her until she passed out keys took lorraine down to the basement and tied her to a chair in front of bill when she came to he went behind her and strangled lorraine to death with a rope he said that he made this up on the fly And on purpose, he wanted Lorraine to look at Bill's dead body as she died. 
That's just completely savage. This attack had taken a lot longer than Keys had planned, and now it was light outside, and the main road was getting busy with drivers. This this whole scene kind of really stuck out to me, too, because, like, when you're out at dawn, at least me, like, when it starts getting sunlight out, like, when I've been outside, like, that morning air, like, makes me nauseous. Like, I don't like being outside super early. Like, I don't love it. Really? Yeah. It's like the freshest time of the day, right? It just makes you nauseous. Yeah, I I don't. There's something about, like, the smell of the air, whatever. I I don't like it. So this whole scene of it, like, becoming dawn, it's raining through this fucking huge hole in this wall or in the the whole house. It hits you a little different, I guess. It's just like something out of a horror movie. Oh, that I definitely say. Hmm. I like being out in the morning. I purposely run outside the house in the early morning to go throw up because that fresh air helps me when I'm hungover. <laughs> I, I don't like better. it at all. Looks like wine Mike out in the front yard <laughs> puking again. Oh. That's interesting. I like when we hear interesting things about Ian. Yeah. Like he likes to be up late, like that 2, 3 a.m. with the raccoons. But once it gets like four, five, six, right. no, no, no. Right. That's like right. the witching hour. Uh, if the if I see light coming up, I'm like, oh man, I fucked up this time. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Play video games too long. I gotta hurry yeah. home. Yeah, I don't. I don't like being outside. It's at, like, like Salem's a, Lot over there. He's got a vampire, vampire yeah. down. Like, <laughs> back in his coffin, a raccoon vampire. <laughs> like when I was reading um, American uh, American Predator, like really like describing that whole scene. It was like I felt anxiety. Like it was mm. something out of a fucking horror movie. Damn. Like that smell. Mm. It's all fucking kind of foggy. Like, God, that's my favorite time of day. I, I love say, it. Like, mm. If it wasn't for the fact that I hate being up early, that's an awesome time of day. It's, everything's so quiet. It's peaceful. Yeah. The air is fresh. That morning fog, that dew on the grass, the smell of coffee, you know, making in your kitchen. Right. I love it. Like some 4.30 a.m. cup of coffee. Go sit on the front porch. <laughs> so here's what happens in Medina, Ohio. Ian's speeding home from Speedway to uh, to get home before that sun comes up. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dave, who's been to bed since 7 o'clock the last evening, is waking up at 4.30 to go have some coffee and sit on his front porch. Watch that sun come up and breathe that fresh air. Fucking yin and yang shit going listen on. To Mike, listen to Mike down the road puking in the driveway. <laughs> This is Necronomicon. <laughs> that's really interesting, Ian. You're the first person I've ever met that said yeah. they hate the smell in that fresh air of the morning. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, something about it. So if like you it. were to go, like, camping, you need to stay in your tent and, like, sleep till that sun is up. Yeah, I wouldn't, I don't like it. Yeah. Would not be a fan. <laughs> For multiple reasons. <laughs> I love when we learn new stuff. It's great. <laughs> the fresh air in the morning makes me nauseous. <laughs> I love it. New shirt. A fresh morning air makes me sick. <laughs> and it's a raccoon puking out of a dumpster. <laughs> so Keith had to hurry up now. Um, and he wrapped the couriers in black plastic bags and poured Drano inside before he sealed them up. From there, Keys put their bodies in the basement and covered them with some trash and left. He then drove the courier's car to a Rite Aid parking lot and left it in the back out of view from surveillance cameras and then walked to his own car. 
From there, he headed to Maine to visit his brother as he had previously planned. The FBI and the police in Vermont went to the location where Key said he left the couriers. That house did exist at that time, but it had since been torn down and everything was taken to a landfill, including the courier's remains. Was there an open missing persons case on these people at this point? It was a big deal. This was a a big local I bet they just disappeared from their house in the middle of the night. This is the one where he said that he was uh, losing control a little bit as far as wanting some publicity out of it. He was commenting on news articles about the couriers. And he said he would sit there on the computer and get enjoyment out of people's reading people's theories. And he was the one that did it. Can you imagine that? Just reading that and getting enjoyment out of it. Do you think there's any current serial killers that listen to like this show? And like enjoy hearing the talk about other. I don't think we've covered many subjects where like the serial killer is still at large. But I mean, just like listening to it being like, ah, I think we've had this exact conversation in the past. Have we? It sounds very maybe just some deja vu here. Sounds like something a drunk Mike would ask. (laughs) I think wine Mike asked that like 18 months ago, but But like probably. So I guess it would only be the few like like we did the Delore Spire episode. There could be her killer still out there that's like listening to that podcast. So if you're new to this story, you'd probably start thinking around this time, like how the fuck did this guy have all this money to travel all over the U.S. hiding kill kits and stuff? Um, he had his own business. He did own a uh, a construction business called Keys Construction. So he had the time to take off from work. It wasn't like he was locked down. But he robbed banks to get most of the money for this stuff. The first known bank robbery was April 10th, 2009 in Tupper Lake, New York. Tupperware? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) And these seem to be like the finishing touches to his murder. Like he liked to cap the whole thing off with robbing a bank. I mean, who doesn't? That's how I came off a, a good week of podcasting. <laughs> Just go rob, rob a the bank, bank at the corner. <laughs> sure. Cool down, right? Hey, cool, cool down, down robbery. Cool down crime. <laughs> After the FBI got the confessions about the murders of Bill and Lorraine Courier, they wanted to know about all that cash that was in his car that had pink dye on it. <laughs> <laughs> they were shocked when Keys confessed to robbing a bank on February 16, 2012 in Azle, Texas. This was five days after the New Orleans cruise ended and two days before he headed back to Anchorage to thaw Samantha Koenig out. On February 16th, 2012, Keyes was hanging out at Dinosaur Valley State Park in Texas. He had been wandering around the area, much like the night he murdered the couriers. While in the park, he saw a woman that he was very interested in being his next victim. He watched her walk her dog for a period of time and then decided against it because she had a pretty big dog. I think he said it was a mastiff. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, not one to fuck with. So maybe the better question is, Mike, have you ever been the in the uh, in the sights of a serial killer who wanted to kill you, but then but then thought better of it because of the because the way I look. circumstances, the way or, I look, of course, you're in, over. Your... You fucking walk past me, you'd be like, <laughs> I ain't gonna fuck around with that guy. Look at him. He fucking, he knows nine different ways to kill me with his bare hands. That guy looks like a black belt in ju- a six degree black belt in jujitsu. He'll fuck me up. It's a six degree black belt and whoop an ass. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Right? So that's not something that would concern you then. 
I'm not concerned about okay. being killed. If they're that close to me, it's because I allowed it and I'm waiting for them to attack. <laughs> After this, he drove to Aledo, Texas, about 30 minutes from Azel. While in Aledo, Keyes found a house that he wanted to burn down. This arson pulled all the police resources in the area to Aledo, leaving the bank in Azel pretty much unguarded. The FBI figured that this was part of his plan to rob the bank, like set this house on fire, create a diversion. Um, but he took major offense to that idea. Like he was so good at robbing banks, he didn't need a diversion. He just wanted to burn that house down. Oh, this fucking guy. His tone, it was, how dare you? Yeah. What do you fucking think I am? Like a casual here? Even though they found money with pink dye on the dye pack. Obviously exploded at some point. <laughs> Who's that? Dan- was that Danny Rowling recently? It was like, don't put a die pack in there. And then like yeah. fucking 50 feet away, they blew up. <laughs> <laughs> so the New Orleans cruise ended on February 11th. Key showed up at his mother's house in Dallas, Texas on February 13th. And he had his daughter with him at that time. And then he robbed the bank on February 16th. The FBI really wanted to know what he did on the 14th and 15th, but Keyes wouldn't budge. And all his mother would say was that he said he was going to go out and hide some guns, which she didn't think that was any, there was anything weird about that because he was always doing shit with guns. Yeah, well, it's America. You can hide guns. <laughs> it's not illegal, right? We should probably leave this conversation right where it is. <laughs> road. Some people might not like our thoughts on Dave, you're absolutely correct. And then some. It's not illegal to hide guns in America. It certainly isn't. Oh, you can just bury a gun in the ground and not get in trouble for that? I, that seems like there should be some repercussion I, I, for that, right? Or, or is this part of the conversation we don't want to go down? <laughs> just saying we should probably... Just uh, leave it. Talk about hotels or something. <laughs> He reinforced what his mother told the police uh, that he was just driving around to potentially hide guns to hide his kill kits. He gave one clue when the FBI questioned his disguise he wore while robbing the bank. Keys wore a wig and a fake mustache that really looked like real hair. When Keys was asked about it, he said, quote, you don't have to buy real hair to get real hair. He, He thought that was so fucking funny. This might be the creepiest part of this whole story. And we're, we already discussed sewing dead girl's eyes open. This part is really strange. Yeah. That brings us to the disappearance of James Tidwell, age 58 from Mount Enterprise, Texas, which is about two hours outside of Dallas. On February 15th, 2012, right in the middle of Israel Keyes' unaccounted for time, James Tidwell was last seen leaving his job as an electrician around 5.30 a.m., He told his boss that he would stop back in the afternoon sometime, but he never showed up and was never seen again. On February 20th, his employer called the police and asked them to do a wellness check on James because no one had heard from him. At that point, his sister was notified and a search for James started. On February 28th, police found James's car about five miles away from his house. His car was pulled off to the side of the road like nothing was wrong. He just pulled over. And there was nothing in the car besides his glasses on the front passenger seat. Police did a search of the wooded area around where his car was found, but no trace of James has ever been found. 
Keyes never said anything specifically to implicate himself in the disappearance of James Tidwell, but James went missing at a time where Keyes was known to be in that area and unaccounted for. Also, the wig that Keyes wore while robbing the bank the day after very creepily resembled James Tidwell's hair. That, that is super fucking creepy. And he just thought he was so fucking funny saying you don't have to buy hair to get real hair or whatever. I think people have probably can been convicted of murder on less circumstantial evidence than exists for that guy. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He's wearing his fucking hair yeah. in an ATM <laughs> surveillance camera. <sighs> so weird. And the FBI didn't they, just uh, ask him that question just to ask it. They knew mm-hmm. full fucking well why they asked him about saying, oh, yeah, that hair looks really real. Oh, man. Like, where do you... That's what they had. They're like, where do you buy a wig like that? That hair is... Uh, where do you find a wig that looks so real? I, I, I have no. I just keep thinking of the burbs when they have. Uh, is it Walter's wig? They find. Is it Walter? <laughs> In like he, the backyard or like the house? He ended they up in his daughter's house yeah. for the week or whatever. Yeah, uh, but okay. Anyways, <laughs> that's what I think of. Like, do you think he scalped him and just was wearing his scalp, or maybe? Oh. Uh, I mean, very, I, po- yeah. it's very possible. I guess that's probably. Uh, um, I don't need to get into how you would go about doing that, but yeah, maybe. Yeah, because James had long hair. I think he probably scalped him. Yeah, I think that this is Israel Keys was definitely one hundred percent behind this, even mm. though there's no concrete. Yeah, there's enough evidence there. On May 23rd, 2012, Keyes attempted to escape during a routine court hearing. Just a small thing about a future court date. Uh, but he had to be there. Keys was able to get his leg irons off like they weren't fastened properly, and he took off. Agent Payne and Officer Bell were the two standing next to Keys when this happened, and they were quickly able to get him under control with a taser. But this wasn't a good look at all for the FBI and the Anchorage police, and they were going to make sure that uh, that Keys paid for it. So as soon as I read this, I said, please let there be a video of this fucking asshole getting tased. (laughs) No, of course not. Just have to picture it. (laughs) The FBI had been working out a way for Keyes to stay out of the media as authorities in Vermont worked on the charges for the Courier's murders. Now Agent Payne said that deal was real close to being off the table. Keys would have to give information and give it to the FBI now so Payne could go back to his bosses with some good news after the shit that Keys pulled. So Keys told them he killed four people in Washington State. Two victims somewhere in between 2001 and 2005 and two victims in the fall of 2005 or 2006. Keys said that one was a male and female pair and one was a female-female pair. The FBI started pouring through data they had on Keys uh, because they had they this whole time they had compiled everything you know the toll road surveillance of him uh, his cell phone records for all these years back and they found cell phone pings that showed he was in the area in 2006 when there was a double murder in Washington. So they have your cell phone records from six years prior. Uh, I guess it's depending on what company. That's pretty wild, isn't it? I think he had AT&T. Six years? Your tower pings and your geographical stuff? They have a very extensive timeline on him, on where he was. It's very long. I didn't realize the records went back that far. Sweating a little bit over there, pal? 
I'll just show my extensive travel schedule for the past decade. Mm, Okay. (laughs) During this pandemic, (laughs) you fucking barely went to Target. (laughs) Ian's, it's just like dark red line back and forth to Speedway. (laughs) Every like other week to Wendy's (laughs) and home over here to your house and fucking record. That's it. Like, wow, this guy's a real loser. (laughs) (laughs) He only leaves the house every four days. (laughs) On July 11th, 2006, Mary Cooper, age 56, and her daughter, Susanna Stodden, age 27, were hiking in the Mount Baker Snoqualmie National Forest. While hiking, they ran into a husband and wife couple, and they continued on the same trail and had some friendly conversation. When they came to a Y in the trail, Mary and Susanna went to the left towards Pinnacle Lake, and the husband and wife went right towards Bear Lake. About five hours later, at 2.30 p.m., the husband and wife saw Mary and Susanna up ahead a good distance, and they could tell something was off. Mary and Susanna were bent over and not moving. The husband ran up to them to find that both had been shot in the head once with a twenty-two. And law enforcement could tell immediately that they were posed in the position they were found in. The FBI was able to put keys in that park based on cell phone records. His phone was pinging from 3.52 a.m. and then stopped at 5.54 p.m. Jesus, so in the middle of the day on a hiking trail. And he, he described his process and what would be going through his mind. He called it crazy. He would say, when I decided to do something crazy, like uh, in broad daylight. The last victim Keyes told investigators about was a woman he abducted in New Jersey on April 9th, 2009. Keyes said he took her across multiple state lines and eventually killed her and buried her in Tupper Lake, New York. It- Tupperware? <laughs> This guy. Stop laughing. You're encouraging him. I can't help it. <laughs> if we remember from a little bit ago, uh, Keys pulled off a bank robbery in Tupper Lake on April 10th, 2009, which all this lines up with. I'm just waiting for it. I see him over there laughing. He's <laughs> cracking himself up over there. <laughs> uh, so all of this lines up with his M.O., The FBI was able to pin it down to a 49-year-old woman named Deborah Feldman from Hackensack, New Jersey. Hackensack, New Jersey? (sighs) No, have no sack, New Jersey. (laughs) Pay attention, Dave. Might fucking learn something. I'm learning a ton tonight. This is is riveting. I used to play Hackensack. That was fun. I never did, but no? I also was never unemployed and, you know, wore blankets, <laughs> wore blankets as clothes. So lived out of the back of a van. I played hacky sack, don't worry. <laughs> Deborah was on hard times. Um, she had issues with drugs and she was working as a sex worker. She was last seen on April 8th, 2009. So all of it lines up. The FBI wanted more details about Deborah. Uh, how she was killed, where she was buried exactly, but they never got the chance. Did you know there's over a half a million missing people in this country last year? I was just reading this. I was curious about like the number of people that go missing. 540,000 people. Isn't that crazy? Does that seem like a lot? A half a million people just go missing? 
are the it's that people they're never found again or they're found dead eventually well, just considered missing just considered missing reported missing in oh, okay. 2020 the other odd thing not odd but it just blows my mind there's 40,000 unidentified decedents in this country at this time so people not necessarily murder or but just bodies found you know through natural causes whatever that have never been identified 40,000 40,000 that's more shocking to me than the, the half million yeah thing but just 40,000 so. people and it goes all the way back so, you know but 40,000 unidentified dead people in this country and that's not that's cons- not considering like war and stuff like just casualties of war and people you know soldiers that they can't identify. I think domestically no I don't think wow I don't think they're including uh that's wild isn't it? That's a lot of people. The missing person ones is weird because I, I think, I think here, like locally, I, and I don't know what it is everywhere, but like it's you got to be gone for like seventy two hours before you're considered missing. Isn't that what it is? I might that might be a little high. I don't remember. Well, it but used like, to I be. I feel like it almost should be more, like reported missing. Mm. It used to be seventy two hours, and then Gacy's uh, defense lawyer was one of the guys that started the um uh the amber alert system based but amber on, alerts for for kids right right like when they're yeah so out of those 540 like more than half are kids yeah like that's an insane number of kids that go missing in this country well there's all kind of stuff sex trafficking Dave, you're full of good news tonight. Yeah, we're just good taking dark, dark, just, dark turns, sex trafficking. This is yeah, this is worse than killing seals. seals. <laughs> I just I I don't know. I was curious after reading this, so I was looking in. Plus, like, you got all the missing four one one people. It's just a, such a large number. I had no idea. It's hmm. pretty scary. It's really scary. given the percentage of how many people of you know of that probably actually get home. It's probably not great. Probably a half and half, I bet. Yeah. But it just goes to show you how easy it would be, like we talked about earlier, to kill a random person. Like, there's just tons of missing people out there that may or may not be matched up with, you know, remains found and what. It's just, it's a lot of people. Yeah. Both, I mean, the 40,000 one is is crazy to me, too. Like, who are those people? Right. Your mental health should be taken seriously. Nothing can cripple your day or stunt your motivation more than feeling depressed, anxious, or sad. We all have a lot to deal with in our daily lives, be it the struggles of work, keeping food on your table, or even paying the bills. Your mental health is one area that you shouldn't have to worry about. Whether life currently has you down or things are going well, but you're still feeling unfulfilled, we're all experiencing our own form of strain on our mental health. And for that, better help is here for us. BetterHelp is an online mental health provider that will assess your needs and match you up with your own licensed professional therapist. And the best part, there's no waiting rooms. That's pretty huge, especially if you're as impatient as I am. BetterHelp is a safe and private online environment that will have you communicating with the counselor within the first 24 hours. And once you've begun, you can send your counselor a message at any time, always getting a helpful response in a timely manner. You even have the ability to schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all from the comfort of your very own home. So, whether you struggle with trauma, depression, LGBT matters, grief, anxiety, or even self-esteem, BetterHelp counselors have a broad range of expertise and their licensed professional counselors are waiting to assist you. BetterHelp is available worldwide. 
In fact, so many people have recently been signing up for BetterHelp that they're currently recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Once you get started, if at any time you're unhappy with your counselor, there's no need to worry. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches and makes it easy and free to change counselors. BetterHelp respects you and your privacy, so everything you share with your counselor is completely confidential. And while it's not a crisis line, it is a convenient, professional, and affordable way to seek the help that you deserve. They even offer financial aid for those who qualify. If you'd like to hear how BetterHelp has assisted people just like you, check out the testimonials posted on their website every day. We here at Necronomapod want you to be living happy and healthy. So, as a listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting BetterHelp.com Necro. Join over 1 million people already taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Necro. On December 1st, 2012, Israel Keyes committed suicide in his jail cell by slitting his wrists and hanging himself. A drawing with 11 skulls and one pentagram, which had been drawn in his blood, was found underneath Keyes' bed after suicide. One of the drawings said, we are one at the bottom. The FBI believes the number of skulls correlates with how many total victims he had. During interrogations, Agent Payne asked Keyes if he killed more than 10 people, and Keyes said, yeah, but less than 12. Israel Keys took the rest of his secrets and information about more victims to his grave and left the following suicide note. Let me take a swig of beer real quick because this is a uh, lengthy one here. <laughs> Some of this could be Godsmack-esque lyrics, I think. You think he fancied himself a poet? Very much so. That's so funny. Right next to one of these lines I have sounds like a five-finger death punch lyric. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah, you can tell me which one you think it is. All right. <laughs> Great. Can't wait to dive in. I'm literally going to, I'm seeing all of this for the first time as I read it. So bear with me here. Where will you go, you clever little worm? If you. I'm sorry. It just made, makes me cringe right off the bat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just saw you like move. Like, oh, he's, he's got something already. <laughs> Where will you go, you clever little worm, if you bleed your host dry? Back on back in your ride, the night is still young. Streetlights push back the black I neat rose. Off to the right, a graveyard appears, lines of stones, bodies molder below. Turn away quick, bob your head to the seat. As straight through that stop sign, you roll. Loaded truck with lights off slams into your broadside. Your flesh smashed as metal explodes. You may have been free. You loved living your lie. Fate had its own scheme. Crushed like a bug, you still die. Is that the lyric? Because <laughs> that's absurd. Crushed like a bug, you still die. Die. <laughs> <laughs> soon now you'll join those ranks of dead or your ashes the wind will soon blow family and friends will shed a few tears pretend it's off to heaven you go but the reality is you were just bones and meat and with your brain died also your soul send the dying to wait for their death in the comfort of retirement homes quietly quickly say it's for the best it's best for you so their fate you'll not know Turn a blind eye back to the screen. Soak in your reality shows. Stand in front of your mirror 
and you preen in a plastic castle you call home. Land of the free, land of the lie, land of scheme, Americanize. Consume what you don't need, stars you idolize. Pursue what you admit as a dream, then it's American die. This fucking guy. I hate him so much. Walt Whitman leaves of grass. It is not. Get in your big car so you can get to work fast on roads made of dinosaur bones. (laughs) Punch in on the clock. (laughs) What does that even mean? Like, what's the issue with that? (laughs) What's the issue with how roads are made? Every road in every state and every country and every when the colonists came over, they slaughtered the dinosaurs to build our roads. I read about their land first. Our whole world is built over dinosaur bones, pal. Relax. Get in your big car so you can get to work fast on roads made of dinosaur bones. Punch in on the clock and sit on your ass playing stupid ass games on your phone. Paper on your wall says you got smarts. The test that you took told you so, but you would still crawl like the vermin you are once your precious power grids blown. Land of the free, land of the of the lie, land of the scheme, Americanize. That's a Godsmack lyric, that one. Land of the free, <laughs> land of the lie, land of the scheme, Americanize. <laughs> Stay away from me. <laughs> Never misunderstand me. <laughs> Sounds about right, right? Sure. <laughs> now that I have held you tight, I will tell you a story. Speak soft in your ear so you know that it's true. You're my love at first sight. And though you're scared to be near me, my words penetrate your thoughts now in an intimate prelude. I looked in your eyes. They were so dark, warm and trusting as though you had not a worry or care. The more guileless the game, the better potential to fill up those pools with your fear. Your face framed in dark curls like a portrait. The sun shone through highlights of red. What color, I wonder, and how straight will it turn plastered back? With the sweat of your blood. Your wet lips were a promise of a secret unspoken. Nervous laugh as it bursts like a pulse of blood from your throat. There will be no more laughter here. I feel your body tense up. My hand now on your shoulder. Your eyes. Forget the lady called luck. She does not abide near me for her powers don't extend to those who are dead. Then there's a bunch of illegible words. That's literally what it says in the transcript. Would that I could keep you, let you be the master of your own fate, knowing full well what's at stake. My pretty captive butterfly, colorful wings, my hand smears. I somehow repaint them with punishment and tears. Violent metamorphosis, emerge my dark moth princess. I would come often and worship on the altar of your flesh. You shudder with revulsion and try to shrink far from me. I'll have you tied down and begging to become my Stockholm sweetie. Oh, God. I'm sorry. That (laughs) Stockholm sweetie thing. Stop, dude. I hate him. Yeah, I'll have you tied down and begging to become my Stockholm sweetie. Okay, talk is over. Words are placid and weak. Back it with action or it all comes off cheap. Watch close while I work now. Feel the electric shock of my touch. Open my trembling flower or your petals, I'll crush. And apparently that was his suicide note. 
Yes, that's what he left behind. That's the worst poem I've ever heard. It is por- more poorly written than a third grader's attempt at his first. Roses are poem. red, violets are blue. <laughs> I hate you, Israel Keys. Fuck you. How about that? <laughs> and Kevin Flaccid, too. <laughs> Whatever his name is. He's got a flaccid penis. Flaccid. <laughs> no, it's flaccid. He's okay. flaccid now. At least that's what his wife told me when I was cucking him out. <laughs> I hate I this know. fucking guy. That's just fucking terrible. Like you can you can tell like he was trying to be like such like ingenious with what he wrote. And oh, I'm so clever. So much of himself. Such a poet. It was painful to read. And I'm sure painful to hear. Sound like fucking Woody from Toy Story reading you a <laughs> shitty poem. So I've been told. A Ooh, poem that was like collaborated on by whoever the singer of Godsmack is. Sully. Yeah. Sully Erna. Kid Rock, maybe some of that. That Americanized shit. <laughs> who uh, who claimed his body? Was he buried anywhere? Or? I believe one of his sisters did. Did they bury him somewhere? I think she had him cremated. Mm. But do you know before? Oh, well, we'll talk about his funeral later. Oh, okay. Oh, we'll wrap up his funeral. Nice. It's like a, a nice little uh, fuck you to him. You know, before you can be cremated, Dave, you have to be born, Ian. Oh. <laughs> that was the best segue. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you can make it look good in post-production. It's all right. We'll just leave it all in. Let them see the fucking shit show. <laughs> Israel Keys was born on January 7th, 1978 in Cove, Utah to Heidi and John Keys. The family started out as strict Mormons and Israel was one out of 10 children. The Mormon faith didn't last forever and the family bounced around uh, to follow different religions, specifically really cult-like ones. A family friend later said that Heidi changed religions, quote, like she was playing musical chairs. <laughs> Sounds great. Should I be at all concerned that Israel Keys and I share the same birth date? Not year, mm-hmm. of course, because I'm not fucking ancient, born in the 70s. <laughs> but the same birth date. <laughs> it's not called for at all. <laughs> 70s were a great decade, my friend. Great decade. All right. I'll take your word for it. I'll. You know, you and the History Channel, how long? <laughs> you think there's any bad well, karma? Yes, of juju course. Juju with that? Yeah, absolutely. Really? Do you yeah. really think that? No, of course oh, not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course he doesn't. Am I a psychopath? Of course not. That's ridiculous. Dave's really big into astrology. <laughs> <laughs> Although he's a Capricorn, much like I am. That's true. So. I'm an Aquarius because I'm at the end of... January. It's the dawning of the age of Aquarius. You know? That's about all I know about astrology. Yeah, I know mine. I don't really know anything else about anything. Are we else. difficult, Dave? Are Capricorns difficult? What I don't we? think so. I think we're splendid. Yeah. We're delightful. We're the best there the world has to offer. Yeah. And we like uh fresh morning air. You know who doesn't? Aquarius. <laughs> <laughs> Keys's childhood wasn't abusive like other serial killers that we've covered, but it was odd. <clears throat> but it was odd and i mean millions of people grow up with an odd lifestyle but aside from the multiple religions heidi was very anti-government and anti-doctor type person she and she ruled the house keys's father was pretty much just there in the background there's nothing about him all the kids were born at home never saw a doctor ever that was just just out of the question 
They didn't have social security numbers and they were all homeschooled. The doctor thing is the only thing that keys his childhood that he continued throughout life. He didn't believe in modern medicine and he was very against vaccines, doctors, all of it. I, <laughs> hmm. If you don't take your kids to the doctor and get them vaccinated, I, I, I think that's an abusive childhood in my book. We don't want measles coming back and we, polio. We, we don't need any of that stuff. And mm. I think that's rather abusive. My personal opinion, I realize everyone might not agree with me. That's fine. We can all agree to disagree. There's no absolutes on this show. So you're in- Can we though? Can we agree to disagree on No, I was just being nice. You <laughs> <laughs> give out one of those half-assed apologies like I gave out last week for talking about wrestling too much. We don't mean it. You just have to say it sometimes and move on. So you're insinuating that he went through the same uh some abuse much like any ever other serial killer we went through. With the physical abuse. Maybe not the exact same kind, but an abuse nonetheless. Yeah. My only question is, was there some head trauma that we could reference here that maybe we don't know about that would fall in line with some of the other people we've talked about? We do have a lot of head trauma on this show. Look, head trauma is catastrophic. We all know that now. There's nothing about head trauma with him. And he falls in line with Dennis Rader, Charles Ng, people that had pretty i mean normal Normal. yeah i mean yeah okay his mom's a fucking nut with doctors and religious stuff but people grow up and get out of that situation yeah i'm gonna question whether we could consider this guy's childhood normal i don't consider it normal not normal but not over where it's gonna fuck him up for the rest of his life he's he could have a chance to overcome this and move on i think that's fair and I also would just kind of challenge, like, what what do you mean by normal? Like, how many kids are living this way? You just don't know because they don't grow up to kill everybody. Yeah. I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I'm just saying I don't know. He falls into, a, like, Dennis Rader, Charles Ng, that it just seems like it's pure nature, that they were just born with whatever it is inside of them that makes them capable of this. I I yeah. think I, 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 I'm that boat for him. I think, yeah. I think growing up with kooky parents might give you that boost. You need it certainly doesn't help like that. Certainly doesn't help. I think it with a normal childhood. Maybe it pushes you back the other way. Potentially. It's interesting. I don't have any evidence to support that. Yeah. But I think if you're kooky like this, if you're born kooky, I'm not sure I buy into that. That whole nature nurture thing, it's a complicated discussion. But if you're, I mean, we're going to talk about in a second that they, they all lived in a cabin off the grid. Oh, spoiler right? alerts, dude. Come on. <laughs> Look, they have I like, didn't fucking know what's coming up. There's like 10 kids living in a cabin off the grid in Washington. All right. Well, now we're talking about something a little different. Well, that's, you know. Okay. Well, I didn't know. That's kooky. <laughs> I'm going off what Ian's telling me as we go through this. That's a little kooky. Yeah. Little and bit. not seeing any doctors in your kid, it's a little kooky. And not getting your vaccines, it's a little kooky. Being homeschooled but, and not having that interaction with other kids at a young age, it's a little kooky. So maybe if you're born skewing towards the kooky side, it pushes you the one way where if you could. would have been in, uh, in Mike Namapod's house, for example, would have pushed you the other way. Perhaps. I don't know. Could. I'm not an expert. I don't have a PhD in this stuff. Could. I'm supposing. 
Nature nurture is always an interesting argument our discussion. Our entire podcast though. is supposing. <laughs> just based off supposing. I'm drinking fucking whiskey, and I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm Join supposing. Club, pal. I don't even know where this story goes from here. Ian ruined it halfway through by telling me he commits suicide in prison. So now, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> but the nature nurture thing is always an interesting exercise because it's uh, it's a big unknown. I, 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 I yeah, think. I've never gotten huge into that debate because I just don't. There's not an exact answer. It's different for everybody in the situation they're in. Like, I, there is no for me no nature versus nurture debate. Like, it's everybody has a different experience and in every situation you can point to nature, you can point to nurture and be like, well, it's this or it's this or it's that. Like, I don't think one is bigger than the other just in general. And you can say, well, it's for sure this. I don't think that that's true. Like, I I think if you took say, who had a weird, like Ed Kemper, whose mom and sisters locked him in the basement. Like if you took Ed Kemper and moved him to a nice suburban household, as a single child with loving parents, would he have turned out differently? I think there's a strong possibility that he might have. I don't disagree. He might have been a PhD in mathematics at MIT, and he might have solved, you know, the oldest math problems in the world. But I think you can look at every indiv- individual and situation differently and say, well, it's it. you could have done this with this guy and this with this guy. For him, I agree. But I don't know if it works that way for everybody. Well, I just don't know if that's the whole argument. Yeah, but that's, that's why it's interesting. My point is, I don't think there is a like. It's not nature versus nurture. It's everybody is different. Every single person. You can't put a scientific label on. Well, it was nature that led to this way or nurture that way. Like it's just always different. What's a sliding scale? That's that's why it's yeah. That's why it's interesting. I think it makes someone like Israel Keys scarier. I think people like to think that it that uh nurture has more to do you know you don't want to think that somebody could just be born capable of doing this but i mean sadistic psychopathy and sociopaths i mean they exist they don't kill you know people but there are people that are just born and cannot feel and the only satisfaction they get is out of hurting others i i agree with that i think that i think he just took it to the next level that's what i mean when i just feel like the nature versus nurture debate is just irrelevant but i think it's It's a sliding scale i think at one end of the spectrum that sure there's some people that are born that no matter what environment they grew up with the circumstance like the end result would have been the same but i think 25 percent, you know further down the scale that someone born like that in a nurturing environment would have turned out different that's why i find it so interesting I think it's just a sliding scale on your, I don't know what you call it, like your level of psychosis or yeah, something like that. I, I'm not, I, guess, I'm, I don't know. I think I, I, I agree with that. Like it's, I think there's certain individuals that were born somewhere on that spectrum that had they been in a nurturing environment would have turned out different. Some individuals were so far off that, you know, to the other end of that scale where no changes in environment would have affected their outcome. Agreed. That's why I think it's an interesting discussion. Yeah, I have a point. I'll save it for the end of the show. Sure. Okay. Ooh, that's a teaser. (laughs) It's probably not really a teaser. When we get there in four hours, I can't wait to hear it. (laughs) I don't have a PhD. I don't really know what I'm talking about. I'm just supposing. You know, because we advertise ourselves as three intellects (laughs) sitting around conversing over very serious matters. Drinking whiskey for three hours, but that's just my personal opinion on it. I, I think there's a sliding scale on most things, and 
It's definitely not black and white. It's absolutely not black and white. And I don't think it ever will be. Nothing in this world is black and white. Agreed. When Keys turned five years old, the family moved to Colville, Washington, to live in a small cabin off the grid. They also joined the Ark and the Christian Israel Covenant Church, which were both part of the Christian identity movement. We talked all about these assholes during our Oklahoma City episode, so go back and get the full details on them in that series. But just to recap, the story of Adam and Eve, Eve fucked the snake, gave birth to Cain, and then Cain went on to create Jewish people and all of the other races besides white people. That's legit. And then uh, white people are also the chosen people. Of oh, of course they are. Israel is not really Israel. Israel is actually the United States. The real Garden of Eden is somewhere in Missouri. All kinds of just made-up racist shit. Yeah, I've been to Missouri. Yeah, it's Missouri. no Garden of fucking Eden. Nope. All that snake fucking wasn't happening there. <laughs> no, from there, a- there might have been some snake fucking. <laughs> oh, they're probably with some snake fucking. Just not with Eve. Who's the greatest person to ever come out of Missouri? I'm oh. going to give you three people. All right. Nellie, Mark Twain, Harry S. Truman. That's a list, man. It's very random, I feel. <laughs> I'll just say, oh, I'll say Nelly. It makes it more fun. Yeah. Well, obviously, Nelly's, the Nelly's, obviously <laughs> Nelly's the best poet in that group. Well, I'm going to go Harry S. Truman. But <laughs> I'm a mark for Harry S. Truman. I'm a big Truman fan, too. I am a big Nelly fan, though. I do love Mark Twain, though. So, <laughs> Dave, F. Mary Kill, Mark Twain, Nelly, Harry S. Truman. I'm going to call a three-way tie. Those are my favorite three Missourians. Thank you. He asked their own question just to give his own answer on how he loved them all. <laughs> it's not clear as to how much of an effect this all this stuff had on Keys because he was going to reject religion completely later in life. But at a minimum, I think being taught that there are people in the world that are less than and don't deserve basic human rights is going to cause issues to some degree. I think, again, that somebody can overcome that and move on with life and be a functioning member of society. Some people are going to go right along with that system and keep doing it. I, you know, I don't know. Before we get to this next part, I want to stress that I am not related to, uh, to the, the family we are going to talk about next. I've been <laughs> asked this before in my life, and I can 100% confirm that my family is no way related to these assholes. I've had people, our listeners, ask me if we're if I'm related Stop to these people. Stop fucking asking him, you shits. It's not him. It's not his family. And, and Fuck out of here. We're not going to do an episode on these guys either. We're going to sum this up real quick, and then we're done and over. I remember this with this whole story. Some big pieces of shit. Oh, yeah. I don't really see the whole purpose why this is significant in his story because he was friends with these two for a brief period of time. Um, But it's brought up in everything that you, you read about Israel Keys. So when the Keys family moved to Colville, they befriended the Kehoe family that produced Chevy and Shane Kehoe. I believe it's Chevy Tahoe. Tahoe. It's a big SUV. <laughs> He was named Chevy because his dad liked uh, Chevy so much. That's a that's a shoot. That's for real. Yeah. Didn't okay. they have a brother named Raw Pizza? Raw Pizza Kia. 
That's your nickname. Don't. Never mind. <laughs> Don't loop me in with this. <laughs> no, we will absolutely rip you, uh, loop you in with raw pizza. Yeah. Look, it's fucking gross, pal. You can put whatever disclaimers you want. Somewhere back, you're related to them. Is that accurate? I don't know. I'm, just, I'm not putting that I was, on I was going to say, I'm like, are you... Were, well, I'm, I'm not going to say any other last name. I'm just names, saying or, stuff. I don't know. It doesn't sound right. <laughs> okay. Ian's like, no, I'll buy that. I deny that. I deny that. <laughs> so, Chevy and his wife traverse... <laughs> the country. I meant the cars. Like, traverse the country. <laughs> so, almost all this shit we're going to talk about... Keys was friends with them for, but he didn't participate in any of it, at least that we know of. In June of 1995, Chevy Kehoe and an accomplice kidnapped and robbed Malcolm and Jill Friedman, a couple that they believed to be Jewish who owned a store which Chevy Kehoe was once employed. They were not Jewish. In January 1996, Chevy Kehoe and a guy named Daniel Lewis Lee left the state of Washington and traveled to Arkansas. I love that guy in Lincoln. He was great as the president. He did fantastic. That was Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> Not Daniel Lewis Lee. Sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, I, you were making a joke, right? He's like, what are you oh, fucking okay. idiots talking confused. about? <laughs> Look, it's not often I get to be on the inside part of a movie joke. I'm just happy to be here. First and foremost, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love that guy on my left foot. <laughs> On January 11th, 1996, they arrived at the home of William Frederick Mueller, a gun dealer who lived near Tilly, Arkansas, and who was in possession of a large collection of weapons, ammunition, and cash. Chevy Kehoe and his father had previously, in February 1995, robbed Mueller once already, and Chevy Kehoe expected to find valuables at the house. Dressed in police raid clothing, the two men tried to enter the home of the Muellers, but they weren't home. When the Mueller's returned, Lee and Chevy Kehoe overpowered and tied up Mueller and his wife, Nancy Ann. They then questioned Nancy Mueller's eight-year-old daughter, Sarah, about where they could find cash, guns, and ammunition. After finding 50000 in cash, all the guns and ammo they were looking for, they shot each of the three victims with a stun gun, causing them to pass out. They then placed plastic bags over their heads and sealed the bags with duct tape, suffocating them to death. They took the victims in Chevy Kehoe's vehicle to the Illinois Bayou, where they taped rocks to them and threw each of them into the swamp. Kehoe and his family took the storm property to a motel in Spokane, Washington, and then to the Christian identity community of Elohim City. Talked about Elohim City uh, in great length back in the Oklahoma City episodes. Good friends of the show, right? <laughs> Was that the... Uh, the uh, Elmer Fudd sounding gentleman. <laughs> Jesus, man. His father was the one that set up uh, Elohim City. I remember. I was a uh, master race out there. Oh, yeah. Master race. <laughs> Lots of master race inhabitants out there with those with those folks. Oh, yeah. William Mueller had some of the stolen guns of his put into the federal firearms license registry as an insurance plan if something were to happen to him in relation to his guns or his money. The ATF used the ID numbers in the registry to trace the stolen guns to several people who confirmed that they had bought them in Spokane from Chevy Kehoe and his father, Kirby. Smart. 
Master Criminals. On February 15th, 1997, Chevy Kehoe and his brother Shane were involved in a shootout with an Ohio State Highway Patrol trooper, John Harold Harker, and a Clinton County Sheriff's Office deputy, Robert Gates, in Wilmington, Ohio. The Highway Patrol trooper had stopped their vehicle for driving too slow and erratically on the road and found the license plate and registration had expired. Uh, Both of them also failed to show any driver's license. A state of Ohio Klansman. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Like the Ohio home of the Klan was like 10 miles south of here for the That's last, a losing battle. The last hundred years. It's a losing battle. <laughs> Chevy, the driver, complied with the officer's orders to get out of the car, but warned him against touching him when the officer tried to search him. Uh, the deputy noticed the trouble that the state trooper was having with Chevy and stopped to help. As one of the officers called a tow truck to impound the vehicle, Chevy suddenly began to run back to his vehicle with the officers chasing after him. The officers caught him and pinned Chevy to a patrol car and were trying to cuff him when Shane pulled out a handgun from his passenger seat and opened fire on the officers, allowing Chevy to jump back in the car and escape. Shane ran into the nearby woods where police searched unsuccessfully for him the whole day. Later that day, Chevy was involved in another shootout in an electrical supply company parking lot with two Wilmington police officers. Again, Chevy got away and him and Shane met back up and traveled with their families through different states before settling in a ranch in Utah. They worked for a local ranch owner for a time, but arguments between the brothers over Chevy's beliefs eventually turned violent and Shane left, taking his family with him. Shane surrendered to the local police and directed them and the FBI back to the Utah ranch where Chevy Kehoe was arrested on June 17, 1997. Shane got a 24-year sentence and Chevy got three life sentences and he's currently still sitting in Supermax prison. And Daniel Day-Lewis... I mean, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel Lewis Lee was executed last year. Yeah. So nobody has to worry about him. About they better that. not fucking touch Daniel Day-Lewis. It's an American treasure. I'm an American. So I don't know. You know, that, that stuff gets brought up every time you hear about Israel Keys. I don't know. What yeah, like, that, why? Like, do, do we think their criminal tendencies had an effect on him? Yeah, I mean, that's what people try to say, but I don't think, uh, I don't know. I mean, people grow up and around weird people and shit. I mean, you just either you get over it and you move on and figure out how to deal with your life and become a functioning member of society or you just continue on that cycle. I mean, either way, it's not going to be the cause of you doing what he did as far as murdering people like this. I think the main point is that there are a lot of kooks up in that Pacific Northwest white supremacy movement. And it's interesting up there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. They may have crossed paths and, you know, I mean, it, it's, I guess it's kind of interesting how we're talking about Elohim city again. Some of this stuff comes full circle a bit. Yeah. Um, the only other thing with his childhood was that there were some stories of him uh, hurting animals I guess one of his sisters had a cat that uh, would always like tear up the garbage outside. And he said something to the effect of like, if that cat does it again, I'm going to kill it. And it did. So he took the cat out to um, out in the woods and 
using a bungee cord, he tied it to the tree and shot it. Mm. And, you know, thought it was hilarious how the cat was squirming around and stuff. Yeah, hilarious. While all this shit was going on with Chevy and Shane Kehoe, in 1996, Keyes told his mother and father that he didn't believe in God. And he wanted nothing to do with their religious stuff. So he was kicked out of the house. Keyes would later go on to say that his first victim was an unknown female that was about 18 years old that he raped and let go. He told the FBI that letting her go was a weakness that he showed and one that he wouldn't show again. However, there's a lot of people in law enforcement that believe his true first victim was 12 year old Julie Harris, who went missing in Colville in 1996. And this lines up with some of the other serial killers we've talked about and some we're going to talk about in the future. Sometimes these guys kill a child really early on in their run as a serial killer, and then they'll refuse to talk about it or admit it. Like it's shameful to them that they, uh, that they killed a child, but it's almost like preying on something weaker just to get it out of their system and, I guess, see what it feels like to be able to kill someone after, you know, fantasizing about it. Richard Ramirez killed a 12 year old girl for his first victim and refused to admit it, like went to the grave with that, uh, even though DNA proved it. Arthur Shawcross, who we're going to talk about in the future, killed a young child as his first and refused to ever address it in interviews. Uh, there's a couple documentaries and he says, if you bring that up, I'm, I'm walking away. And then Ted Bundy killed a 12-year-old girl at the end of his run when he was completely out of control, but still he refused to talk about it or admit that he did that. I guess it lines up with his no kid rule that we talked about earlier. He would never admit that. Albeit it's an after-the-fact rule, but sure. Julie Harris was a 12-year-old Special Olympics gold medalist. Uh, She was a double amputee with prosthetic legs, but she was able to be one of the top downhill skiers. Julie was last seen on March 3rd, 1996, early in the morning on her way to school, but she never made it. A month later, Julie's prosthetic legs were found on the bank of the Colville River. And in 1997, her skeletal remains were found by some kids that were playing in the woods. He killed a double amputee and threw her legs in the river. Not confirmed. This guy... He lived in, uh, you know, lived in Colville when it happened. Another girl went missing from Colville in 1997. That was Cassie Emerson. She was also 12 years old. Cassie and her mother were both killed, and the trailer they lived in was burned down. The FBI knew Keys had a thing for arson, and he was on record saying that it's a good way to cover up murder. Also, Keys left Colville and headed to Oregon in 1997, and wouldn't you know... No more little girls were killed or disappeared in Colville anymore after Israel left. I wonder why. In 1998, Keyes enlisted in the Army and served until 2001 at Fort Lewis, Fort Hood, and in Egypt. While at Fort Lewis, he served on a mortar team in the 1st Battalion, 5th Infantry, 25th Infantry Division. That's what he was part of. That's what um, Bill Courier was also also part of. Which is a very odd coincidence. Former army friends of Keyes said that he was quiet and kept to himself a lot. On weekends, he would drink heavily, like 
an entire bottle of wild turkey in one sitting as well as some beer. We joked about Godsmack in part one and in this and five finger death punch. <laughs> um, but all that shit's very accurate. Um, he was a big fan of all that stuff. And Keys was a big fan of ICP and hung their posters all over his uh, bunk area and blasted that shit on his stereo. Mike, you and uh, Israel could have been musical BFFs, huh? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I mean, I listened to a little ICP, I guess my day kind of reminds me of uh timothy mcveigh and i remember we talked about timothy mcveigh when he was doing the driving tanks and he would blast bad company yeah i'm sure there were people in the in the army with him they're like shut the fuck up with the icp shit man <laughs> i was gonna get into his relationships but those women have wanted to stay anonymous and it doesn't really add much to the story we've talked about his daughter throughout the story he met a woman by the alias of Tammy after his time in the military. Tammy was, uh, was native American and lived on a reservation. Keys was accepted into the community and the two of them had a daughter. Tammy had some issues with drugs. So keys left and got full custody of his daughter. And then he went on to meet the longtime living girlfriend that we spoke about for some of this named Kimberly or the alias Kimberly. So any idea who got the kid after he killed himself though? I'm not like, sure. I wonder if the original Tammy, the the biological mom got the kid back. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I'm sure she's not out there bragging. Israel keys is my, is my pops. Um, you know? I brought up earlier. We talk about his funeral. Um, his sister took his ashes and his mother and some of his siblings had joined a, a, another cult type thing called the church of wells which is um definitely do an episode on them they, there are some, some major controversies with that group mm. uh, don't believe in doctors passing around a dead baby that they refuse to get treatment things like oh that oh my god that sounds fucking splendid man <laughs> so <laughs> we do a baby an episode on killing baby seals after that and just clubbing them um, but we'll make january month of dead babies <laughs> already booked us a hunting trip up to can't wait. Northern Canada, we're going to go club seals. Oh, be so much fun. <laughs> when Keyes was in Texas in February doing the bank robbery and stuff, he stopped off to visit his uh, sister for her wedding. And he stormed out, got in this big thing with that preacher. When she picked up his, and you know, he was saying, God's not real, blah, 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 all his shit. Mm -hmm. So when his sister got his ashes they had a funeral for him ran by that cult leader in the church of wells it's kind of a nice fuck you to him and that's basically what they did just talked about how big of a piece of shit he was and mm. how you know he's going to hell and this that and the other yeah good for him to this day the fbi has a website set up with a link to send any information on other potential victims They've tracked his movements as best as they could, starting in 1997 all the way up until he committed suicide in 2012. And, I mean, he's been all over there in Canada. Like this list of his locations is very detailed. And it's very, um, a lot of it's very confusing the way he drives. Uh, thousands of miles he'll drive out of the way. And I think this is where you get a lot of the publicity, I guess, with him or 
or how popular because you can look at any one of these areas, right? April 23rd, 2006, he's in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. You could look at that date or just that little time frame and any missing person in the area that fit his MO to any degree, right. you could question. Sure. You know, the FBI had ones that were more credible. I mean, they, they're pretty much sold on 11 victims, which makes sense based on his stupid fucking joke that he said. Right. Well, and what he didn't he carve, we said, into a... The skulls. Yeah, he drew the pictures of the 11. The 11. One that that the FBI specifically asked him about that we did an episode on was Lauren Spear. He laughed and made some stupid fucking joke about it. Like, wouldn't you like to know or something like that when they showed him a picture of her. Uh, But that's as far as he went into. But the FBI is able to put him in Indiana when she disappeared. And she kind of fits the mo. Intoxicated, walking home, walking, yeah, by herself. It's not out of the question. And he could have seen her and Eh. said, "Up here, I go, perfect." Because that's what he did with the couriers. He just wandered around Essex. Just he he showed up with no plan. He just kind of wandered around and figured it out. He saw that guy going into the apartment. That guy. No, just ran a little too fast. So Lucky for that guy. Yeah. So Lauren Spear, she could, you know, easily be one of his victims. Who knows? I think that was part of his whole, you know, master plan was to leave everybody with these kind of questions. And they remain. And like I said earlier, talking about the kill kits, you know, the FBI, they found two of them. Since this, so they're out there, and he wasn't lying about that. Where were they? Where were the other two they found? Uh, another one in Vermont, and then one in New York. Mm. Tupper so, Lake, Tupperware. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the story of uh, that's Israel Keys. I don't know. The guy's a complete dick. I think he's putting it mildly. I think take the kill kits out of it. He's not that special. Yeah. And when you're talking about this stuff. Not as special as he thought he was going to be and how he wanted to be and how he perceived himself. I mean, people are like, people are very interested in him. Why? Like, I mean, I, it's kind of interesting, but it's no more interesting than anyone else. I think it's the fact that it's, it's more modern. And then there's this catch-all with him where you can, you can look at an area that he was in and say, okay, who was missing at this time? And start to try and piece that together but I mean, in all reality, he's just this empty shell of a person that the only satisfaction he got in life was deceiving people or ruining people's lives. And no. he's the same as any other serial killer we've talked about and everyone that we'll talk about in the future. There's nothing different about him other than some MO differences. And if you take the mm. if you take the kill kit out of it, he's kind of like a bootleg Dennis Rader. Hear that, Israel Keys? You're fucking nothing special. No floppy disk. You're bootleg. Well, and he said that Dennis Rader, he specifically said that Dennis Rader was a wimp for apologizing to the victim's families and stuff at court. And it's like... You mean as opposed to the wimps that take the chicken shit way out and just kill themselves? (laughs) Yeah. And that's like kind of the fucked up thing is he kind of makes you defend Dennis Rader a little bit. Because at least Dennis Rader's sitting there in solitary serving out his sentence. Yeah. 
And there was, and, and then you're like, why the fuck am I on Dennis Rader's side right now <laughs> yeah. when I'm listening to this? Yeah, you know, and there was reports that he was getting fucked with in jail. You know, and I don't, I really don't think he could have handled that. I think he was realizing that he was not in any form of control anymore, that his meals were being going to be planned for him. You know, he was going to shut the fuck up and do what he was told to do and serve out his sentence. And other prisoners were fucking with him. And he's just a weak piece of shit at the end of the day that ruined a whole bunch of people's lives. I don't disagree. Just cringy still, as fuck with that. Yeah, I'm baffled why this is our most popular requested subject. Like you said, maybe it's because it's more recent. This is a disturbing individual. Like, is he scary? Of course he's scary. You know, it's scary to think that anybody thinks that way. Yeah. And, and like the randomness of it, like we talked about, I mean, everything we've discussed really is just, it adds up to just being terrifying. Dave, what do you got? Any final thoughts on this guy? I, I just think a lot of it's the perception he might be responsible for all these unsolved murders, which gives that aura of, I don't Why do you know, think like, he wouldn't take credit for it though? If he was looking for like the attention and wanting to be so. I, I think he viewed as the last trick on it, not a <clears throat> trick, but his last getting one over on authorities. Do you think he still left clues out there then? Yeah, maybe. Like, hey, they'll they'll discover this in fifty years and realize I'm maybe, maybe not than they thought. Like he's just like going out, knowing people were still thinking about him and wondering if that was it. That's exactly what a narcissist would do, right? Tell you what, I'm never going to talk about him again after this. So. <laughs> I'm never going to think about this clown. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It's awful. This is one of our. This might be officially. We don't know how the editing is going to work out. Our longest episode of all time. Just a lot of back and forth. And no there, thanks to Dave with all those interruptions. It was so fucking rude. All night. Oh, yeah, it's me. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The, and there's so there's so many people. Um, you know, you go, you look on online for potential victims of his. And like the ones that I put in are ones that the FBI, you know, says are credible. And I, Lawrence Spear, they don't even say that that's a credible thing. It's no. just it's a possibility. And they asked him about it. You know, he had a smart ass answer. But there's tons of theories on who he could have been responsible for. And we talked about earlier the sheer amount of missing persons and unidentified corpses in this country. So, yeah, of course. Who knows? You're never going to know. You know, you read about someone like uh, Deborah Deborah Feldman, who he confessed to right before he killed himself. Like you read that she had, uh, I was reading about her son, older, you know, probably like my age maybe. Mm she worked as a sex worker. She was a drug addict. And he said, yeah, I was not a fan of my mom, but she was still my mom. Like yeah. the, the, some of these people that are usually like that, I guess would be considered throwaway people by some in these stories. Like they do have family members. So it's just, it sucks to read about that where he confessed to it and then he just fucking killed himself. Yeah. And then that guy never got any type of information ever about where, she was right. buried, even what happened to right. her. You know, you're just stuck there wondering. Meanwhile, Israel Keys leaves that fucking cringy ass Godsmack letter for everybody to sit and read. Right. Just irritating, an irritating person. So this is it. We wrapped up the uh, four members of the uh, cheating scandal poll vaulting, vote vaulting, poll voting <laughs> for 2021. I think they all turned out pretty good. Only one of them was really punished. 
But what are you going to do? They still got it this year. Who was, else? Who was punished out of this? Uh, Israel Keys. <laughs> because we did West Memphis 3, Casey Anthony, and uh, what was the other one? What's the forgot? Oh, Ing and Lake. Oh, Charles Ing's still sitting in prison. No, no, no. I met the fans who voted. <gasps> oh. Like all the, the cheaters out there. And gotcha. I think Lake and Ing got like the fewest votes. There was no, the cheaters were Casey Anthony and Yeah, Israel going back Keys. and forth, back and forth. And we and literally we, did Casey Anthony like in January, but. Oh, we wish per, we per usual, she made us blow our load. <laughs> so we did her first. What are you gonna do? That is true, though. Out of all those people we've talked about this year, uh, out of that four, Charles Ing's the only one that officially got punished. That's right, and got what was coming to him. Well, Casey was found not guilty. We shouldn't. Uh, we shouldn't forget about that fact. And those West Memphis three guys, they did get punished. Luckily, they got justice, but they had their hard times. Whoever killed those kids is out there and still out there doing their thing. Yeah, Leonard Lake killed himself. Israel Keys killed himself. It's been a hell of a year. Casey it's, Anthony it, was probably too stupid to kill herself. She didn't really know what to do. She's like, <laughs> what the heck do I do with this? She could have just duct taped her mouth shut. <laughs> she knew how to do that. That's difficult. How do you do that to yourself, though? <laughs> I mean, come on. That's difficult. you got to wrap it around and everything, like to yourself. Mm. You're asking too much of her, Dave. Mm. It's the lady that led authorities to an office that didn't exist at, what, Disney? Where was it she Her was taking at Orlando at uh, Universal at Universal? That's yeah. what it was. Universal. Yeah. She said she'd been working there for like yeah. over a year. Oh, oh, I work here. Hi, Bill. Dave, duct, duct tape is difficult. You got to like find the edge and peel it. Um. Anyways, we completed the Fantastic Four of 2021 as yeah. promised. We were making no promises for 2022 because now we have to live up to them. And so, no polls for 2022. Yeah, I think we've decided we're done with that. But we're going to do some uh, banger of some episodes uh, for January. Anyways, uh, do we have any final thoughts? Did you guys give them all that you had to say? Got them out of your system? I think so. I yeah. think I'm good on it. I think so, too, yeah. Ian just sitting over there looking badass in that bright orange champion hoodie that I'm jealous of. <laughs> <laughs> I like that hoodie a lot. Thanks. You want to fight him for it? No. That's, <laughs> Dave, it's too big for me. I'm a dainty boy. He's a, he's a pudgy boy. <laughs> a pudgy boy. Oh, oh well, you're t- you are too, pal. You with your XLs, both of you. And I ain't talking about condom size. <laughs> Anyways, this is so stupid. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Patreon. Got some new patrons. You got lots of new patrons. He's calling us pudgy boys. <laughs> I've been calling myself a dainty boy for weeks. Come on. <laughs> Thank you very much to new patrons. Pohaya Kialoha, Skimp Dog from the Land Down Under, Marshall Ross, Take My Money, Mike, Ian, and Dave. Okay. Cyrus, Pandy, Hunter Johnson, Jessica Winter, Jesus Cristo. <laughs> Jesus Cristo. Can we talk about that a couple weeks ago? <laughs> God damn it, Dave. Jesus Cristo is that what he's going for I think so Siri uh, that triggered Siri Jar Jar Sith Balls Victoria Diaz Martinez Anastasia Electra Peterson Jen Hartland Chris Salkowski It's Benny Crispin Alicia Paige Jackson Jake Boldazar Rebecca Gardner Elizabeth Kelly Mangold, Stephanie Cordray, 
Wendy Flores, Becca Tamanello, B. Mars, Austin Nay, Riley, Paige Hurd, Paul Philpot, Joanna B., Stuart Jones, Hisang, Rosa underscore G2002, B.A., Ann Cole, Joseph Riker, Jack Powell, The Zenden, Stephanie Urbanowski, Hector Hernandez, My Dixie Wrecked, <laughs> Wendy Horn, Dylan Murray, Hayden Parrish, Giant Ginger, Glenn Bessington, Jesse Garrett, Tia Oyama. Thank you all very much. We are at patreon.com slash Necronomapod. Ian, what do you got? For iTunes, I have one for Sweet Orchid, Kelly Chase, Awesome McGingerstein, and Faith in VB. Thank you guys for the awesome reviews. Dave, you got anything? Uh, No. I, I, I saw that Faith in VB. Mm-hmm. They uh they don't think you sound like Ben Stein. I appreciate you sound it. Sound like Mike Damone from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Have oh, you yeah. seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High? I have not. Don't even look at me. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's early '80s, so I, I didn't think you guys would get that reference. I mean, I know the movie actually. <laughs> I've just never seen it. All right. Well, you I appreciate sound like it. Him. I appreciate it. Thank you. I get told I look like or sound like Tom Hanks. You got to watch Fast Times. All right. Put if on you, your listing. You think you sound list. like Mike Damone, but you don't ever sound like what people say you sound like, right? Like it's you, yeah, you hear yourself different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that person was just not faith. Faith was very kind. I think that other person was just trying to say that I sound really boring. Like, but were they being mean? You think, or were they just trying to say you sound like something? Uh, no, they they did not love me at all. But you so. gave him a shout out. No, no. Oh, you brought him up. Faith was defending me. No, Faith said, I'm a huge Fast Times at Bridgemont High, so I love that one. If he sounds like Mike Damone, he's like, some great iced tea. <laughs> Mike Damone's the, the hero in I Fast Times. She was defending. Yeah, because somebody, somebody uh, said that. Some I, great iced tea. You gotta yeah, watch the, the yeah, that person I, liked I, I you guys. <laughs> so like us and not you. Right. Oh, mm. about time. Wow literally the reason the show's here, but that's okay. I don't like him. Just like uh, the two fucking drunk asses yeah. just sitting in the corner. Mr. Potato head. What else you got? Yeah. Jeez. You want to bore us more to death? Come on, pal. Yeah. You have the dude with, the- don't worry. Dave will save the show. We'll talk about clubbing baby seals. <laughs> Stop it. That's not- oh boy, pal. I'm going to pull some uh, baby seal clubbing sound clips. You're going to wake up tomorrow <laughs> and Pete is going to be outside your front door. <laughs> Ian was going to say something. We kept eru- interrupting him. What were I'm you not even going to give that you guy the time of day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like a seagull, Dave. I don't, know what seagull? I, mean. I don't know what it sounds like. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Like that. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> Ah! Oh boy, I don't love any of that. I just, I don't, I can't. Is that seal tapping out over there? Hello, is anyone left? Hello? No, they fucking all quit because we're talking about animals being killed. (laughs) All right, I don't know. This show has long been over. Uh, Necronomapod.com. All of our socials are there. Check us out. Patreon.com slash Necronomapod. 
I've got some good bonus content up and coming up here in the near future. And then Amazon.com, search Necronomapod for all of your Necronomapod gear needs. And for that special person in your life that you want to surprise for Christmas with that certain Necronomapod uh, t-shirt or sweatshirt or hoodie. I'm sure we're getting to the Amazon shipping deadlines for Christmas, so you better get on that. Getting close. Anyways, thank you very much. This has been something. (laughs) All right, you guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers.